And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The Whole Reffin Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. My name is Darren Beasley. We are at episode 42, Darren Beasley. Do you know what that means? That means we've done 42 episodes. Well done. Well done. All right. Good night, folks. A plus. Apex. Apex. Well done. Predator. It's all good. On today's show, we're talking about uh, injury update for Tomasa Champa. Uh, he's going to be out for a very long time. Uh, I don't think he's going to be killing anyone psychotically anytime soon. No, no, no. Uh, sadly, no. Well, I guess it's funny to say sadly, no. He won't be killing anyone anytime soon. Well, it is funny. Uh, but it's okay because NXT has got a couple of people making their debut. We'll tell you about a couple of newer folks, some of the newer faces. Unfortunately, there was a loss in the Hart family during the week. I will tell you about the tragic passing of Smith Hart. Uh, Also, Impact Wrestling changes its name again. Sort of. We'll tell you to what. Uh, But of course, we've got to run down the card for WWE's Raw exclusive Great Balls of Fire with our head-to-head. Head-to-head. And we're going to find out uh, what's going on, what's been going on in the world of Raw as... Raw heads over to Dallas, Texas, whereas New Japan came on over to our side all the way to Long Beach. The LBC. There's so much drama in the LBC. There is. It's kind of hard. Especially when New Japan's in town. Indeed. And we're going to tell you all about G1 Special in USA Night 1. And I'm not talking about G-Love and the special sauce. No, I don't know what that is, but that sounds sounds gross, actually. It's pretty gross. Okay. Um... <laughs> all right i'm well, excited about this show i'm excited about knowing what you just said and what that is all about uh so let's get into it man but before we can get into all that we got to talk about those <laughs> tomaso champa former nxt tag champion alongside his buddy former buddy i should say uh johnny gargano johnny wrestling uh, no more, no longer are they friends, certainly not tag team partners. After a massive heel turn, uh, Champa turning on Johnny Gargano after their final match with the Authors of Pain. Um, Champa actually was injured going into the match, I believe an ankle injury that he sustained from a house show. Um, but he, I guess, against all physicians and doctors' wishes, and probably Triple H's wishes, Went ahead and wrestled the match at the pay-per-view, which probably caused him more injury, unfortunately. And I'm sure it did. Yeah, because he looked like 100% during the match, but when it came to the heel turn following the match, he started limping, and it was like, oh, there it is. There it there is. There it is. There it is. Yeah, so... I mean, There's he, the rub. Yeah, there it is. There's the rub. He must have swallowed a handful of painkillers and just kind of toughed it out, man. That's, unfortunately, Champa, it appears... Pulled an old school wrestler, yeah. worked through an injury to the point that he probably had to at least temporarily abuse, you know, some something to keep him going, and then really did 
more harm than good. Right. Exacerbated an injury. And now it appears not only is he out for a while, the latest reports are that he may be out until early 2018. That is tough. When you're talking about the fact that we're only halfway through 2017 and they're actually saying it's an undetermined time on the next calendar year, to me that's like, damn, what all happened? What kind of surgeries are you facing? And how the hell much rehab do you need? Like, this sounds really severe. And the same reports that are saying how long he may be out, they're not saying anything about the injuries or the injury. So we don't really know. But that's a long time. It seems like there's always someone who's out for six months. Like Rollins, you know, Balor passed it SummerSlam off. of last year. Yeah, Rollins, you know, passing off to Balor. You had Dayo with Tommy. Tomasa Champa's not going to be gone for six months. Uh, it's just crazy. I mean, that, that wrestling's a very dangerous uh, sport. Uh, if you, if I dare call it that anymore, Vince might get mad at me. Um, oh well, in Tony Schiavone, we trust. We can call it a sport as much as we want. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so yeah, for something that's supposedly not real, uh, certain people certainly do do uh, take six months off at a time a lot uh, in this world. But anyway, I uh, hope Tomas Champa, you know, get better soon and come back soon because I I gotta see Gargano and Champa, man. The CWC we saw it and it was it was pretty great. I'd like to see more of that. As much as I hate seeing DIY separated, but I, I'm looking forward to the Champa Gargano uh, feud for sure. Yeah, so. that'll be a good feud because the, we know the match is good, like you said. Yeah. Now that match again with a story attached, some drama. Let's just hope that uh, this extremely long absence uh, for Champa doesn't ruin it or water it down. Well, time will tell. But in the meantime, we do have a couple people making debuts in NXT. Axel Dieter Jr., of Westside Extreme Wrestling out of Germany, made his house show debut about a week and a half ago uh, for NXT. He's wrestling under his real name, which is Marcel Bartel, and uh, we actually saw him on his second night. We did. In NXT. We saw him in Gainesville, Florida. We actually saw him in the opening bout that night. He uh, did the favors for NXT favorite Montez Ford. But uh, made an impressive debut. There were definitely some folks at that tiny little house show in Gainesville who were like, Hell yeah! Woo! Dieter! Dieter! And we're kind of like, yeah, him! Go him! Hashtag don't Dieter Dieter. Yes. But uh, I I was very impressed. I was very, very impressed. It has excellent look about him, and uh, I'm excited to see when he'll make his TV debut. He may outpale Finn Balor is my only concern. (laughs) That's all. Maybe, maybe, maybe. He might outpale Powder. Oh, I don't know about that. I think the only person who could pull that off might be... Seamus! Or perhaps Gentleman Jack Gallagher. Oh, yeah. Very Which, good. boy, have we haven't seen much of him lately. He's been tagging. tagging I guess on 205 Live. We don't know what to do with just your tag match purgatory for no reason. It's oh, terrible. Well, you know, if you had tag champions, that'd be kind of cool. Then. That'd be great. You'd, okay. have, you'd have a lot for him to do. Gunner also makes his NXT house show debut. 
Similarly to Marcel Barthel, he is not wrestling under the name Gunner, which he wrestled under famously as a tag team champion in Total Nonstop Action, TNA, now known as Impact, which is now known as someone else that we're going to get to later. But Gunner wrestles under his real name at this NXT house show appearance, his real name being Chad Lale. Now, we shall see what happens with these two guys. They could appear on TV next week, or they could appear next year. Sometimes these people, you never really know where they're going uh, once they get to NXT. But it's always exciting to track the journey. Some of them have some really fun journeys. Some of them have some <laughs> slightly disappointing ones. But uh, I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think who has a, who has a very fun journey uh, at NXT. I don't know. So I'm going, wee! Is there there's, there's some people I, I someone like I mean someone like Ruby Riot and it said a lot on the there show. You go. Ruby Riot, but I mean she showed up did a couple of house shows. She was on TV immediately on the pay per view immediately fighting Oscar for the championship immediately. It's like that's a pretty fun one. Yeah. It's a pretty fun one. Yeah, someone like other people not so much the uh, Daria Baronado slash Sonya Deville's of the world. And don't get me started on Wesley Blake, bless his heart. Oh, little Wesley Blake. I, I don't know, though, man. I, he could be totally happy, and hell, I would be totally happy. It, all that means is that he's had a well-paying job all this time. Because unlike other wrestlers who are having to pay for their training and go out and bust a hump and be their own booker trying to wrestle two, three nights a week on the independent circuit... These NXT kids, especially the ones that are there for multiple years, yeah, regular paychecks. All their matches are, you know, within a couple hours of their town, their performance center, their gym, their trainers, their everything right there in Orlando where 90% of them are living. That's one way to put it. It's a pretty sweet deal. Another way to put it is you see all your buddies going, well, see you later. I'm going to the better show. I'm going to make some real money now while you stay here. In, in Orlando and well, train. Well, it's all about perspective, And fight for 200 people. No, I mean, obviously it is, but I mean, it's 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 like being on SNL. Like, people who are like SNL purgatory. Like, well, I'm gonna go make movies now and be super famous. See you later, Daryl Hammond. You know? Yeah. <laughs> See you later, Tim Meadows. See you later, Keenan Thompson. Yeah. Uh, take take that, those guys. They, they, they should make The Three Amigos. They should remake it with those three people. That might actually be pretty funny. <laughs> Because it's those three Because it's those three guys. Uh, yeah, I can see that not happening. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll see what the future holds for uh, these young talents. Uh, unfortunately, some sad news. Uh, like we said, a member of the Hart family did pass away this past week. Uh, Smith Hart actually passed away. Uh, he was, in fact, the oldest of the 12 Hart family children. Um, Smith Hart uh, is actually the uncle of WWE superstar Natalia. Um, Absolutely. A lot of folks don't know that, uh, but in all the hearts, they're obviously related. Yeah. But he's actually, uh, he, he did have terminal cancer, which he's had for quite a while. He's actually been in the hospital since early June that, that people know of. I mean, so he was very aware that his time was drawing near. So, I mean, he has a Twitter, he has social media, so he was constantly referencing, like, you know, my time is short. He recently put a picture up of him at like himself at uh, uh, Owen Hart's grave, saying like "I'll see you soon, brother," and, and just you know morbid, but you know kind of like accepting your fate kind of a way. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm, that's tough stuff, man. Obviously, I, yeah. 
do not know what I would do in that same situation. Um, so the Hart family has endured a lot of tragedy. Absolutely. But uh, if Smith Hart was in a great deal of pain and was suffering and uh, believe in his heart and mind that he would be seeing his parents, Stu and Helen, his brother Owen, and uh, other members of their family and their extended family, a lot of in-laws of theirs have also passed. Davy boy. Then, you know, then good. Then if that is all, if all of that's the case, then he most definitely has moved on to a better place. Absolutely. So, Smith Hart. R.I.P. R.I.P., bud. Also, since our last episode, Impact Wrestling held the Slammiversary 15 pay-per-view. This is the 15th Slammiversary. And it's been TNA, it's been Impact, and now it's GFW. That's right, dear listeners. It's now Global Force Wrestling. Following the purchase of TNA slash Impact by Anthem Sports, we've already seen the transition from TNA to Impact in a more definitive form. Now, and it's really only been a couple of months, surprisingly, following Anthem's purchase of all the rights and trademarks and copyrights and all the things there to GFW from Jeff Jarrett, who's in charge of creative for Anthem's Impact Wrestling, they've decided, well, now that we own GFW, we, in fact, like it better. So... The company, despite still being blatantly advertised as being owned by Anthem, the word Anthem still inexplicably is in the logo, uh, even though if you really don't know what's going on, you really don't know what's going on. Like, why is the word Anthem there? But it is. <laughs> the Anthem Wrestling? And now the GFW, those three letters, not spelled out as Global Force Wrestling, just the three letters GFW are also on the logo. And though the company is called Global Force Wrestling now following the Slammiversary 15 pay-per-view, they're still going to advertise their one and only television program as, get this, Impact Wrestling. So I really don't know what to make of this. Yeah. The only thing they successfully did was cut the number of belts they had in half. At the Slammiversary pay-per-view, any titles that were seemingly redundant in the GFW Anthem Impact conglomeration were unified. And therefore, all the titles will now be GFW titles. The Impact titles will go away and Impact will go back to simply being the name of the television show, and I guess we are left to believe GFW is what Anthem is going to put out there as a competitor to WWE, ROH, NJPW, yada, 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 instead of just this word Impact. But neither here nor there uh, as far as, you know, what that really means, even in an era where the hottest independent organizations are kind of going with a word as opposed to 
three or four letters, as was really hot for the last 30 or 40 years. Impact, not so much. But the uh, world title in particular, the one of main importance, saw your GFW global champion, which was Alberto El Patron, formerly known as Alberto Del Rio in the WWE. We saw him defeat the Impact World Champion, Bobby Lashley, and those belts were unified. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if they just literally dump all the Impact belts and keep the GFW belts, the physical belts that actually exist, or if we get an all-new design on these GFW belts, because all the GFW belts are kind of silvery, like a lime green uh, accent to it, which is not really the Impact or the Anthem colors, which are just sort of various shades of blue. So I don't know. It's a lot still up in the air, and it just seems like when is the dust going to settle uh, in the in the Impact zone? Here are three more facelifts. It was changed name a few more times. Whatever we do, let's go with the name that people least know. How about that? Oh, there we go. There we go. From a marketing standpoint, it is very odd to me. It is. They're going with GFW, which no one knows unless you know wrestling very well and have been kind well, like us and have been kind of obsessing over the uh, the amorphous thing. That has been GFW ever since Jeff Jarrett kind of pooped that idea out on the world of wrestling. Right. And then if he loses GFW and impacts and everything, he loses everything. Now. He really will. He really yeah, will. So he's really, he's doubling down. Just call him double down from now on. Double J. Double J. <laughs> double down. Uh, double D. Uh, I guess Jeff Jarrett's Well, oh, that's worse. something else now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess double J, double down. Jeff Jarrett, uh... I guess at this point, his worst nightmare is Dixie Carter uh, pinching her pennies and coming and buying all of it back. And right. I wouldn't put it past old Dixie. So we shall see. They say Dixie will rise again. We shall see. <laughs> well, Darren, goodness gracious, Great Balls of Fire is the name of the Raw exclusive pay-per-view. Oh, I thought that you were just going with the figure of speech. No, no. Uh, this ridiculous thing is happening. And uh, that means you and I have got to pick our favorites, Darren. That means you and I got to go ahead to head. Head to head. WWE's red brand, their Raw brand, are bringing you their exclusive pay-per-view sans SmackDown Live. It's called Great Balls of Fire. We don't know why. Whose idea was this? Who are the ad wizards that came up with this one? This will be on Sunday, the 9th of July, live from Dallas, Texas, where WWE brought you WrestleMania 32, but not from Cowboys Stadium. But in fact, the American Airlines Arena. A whole lot of shaking going on. There's, yes. Since we're talking Jerry Lee Lewis songs. Other 50s uh, songs <laughs> by Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got a card here. And uh, let's get into it, man. What we assume will actually end up on the pre-show, kickoff show, which as we all know is wrestling. But it's not wrestling because the first match doesn't start until the show starts. Um <laughs> 
the cruiserweight title will be on the line. And that means that Neville, the king of the cruiserweights, is defending against Akira Tozawa. Ha! 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 He does. That is what he does. Akira Tozawa, who is the newest adherent to Titus O'Neil's Titus brand, as uh, Titus, I'm sure, happy with his acquisition of Tozawa, and uh, has quickly got him a cruiserweight title match against the king of the cruiserweights. Yeah, man. Neville. Which I like, by the way. I like Titus in this role a lot. It's not bad. Titus wasn't, uh, he wasn't a bad wrestler, but there wasn't a whole lot to him. Or at least they didn't really push him too much as a wrestler. But, I mean, this guy's got great personality, and he he is a manager. Unfortunately, he is twice the size of anyone he manages, which is hilarious. I think you may have mentioned that uh, in the last show or the show before that. So it's a little comical seeing him side by side with his, you know, people that he's managing. But, uh, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's doing a lot for Titus. He's entertaining. He's actually genuinely funny. Um, and it kind of gives Akira something to do. So he's not just, I'm just a cruiserweight. Now I, I, I drew my number and now my number is up. So I get to fight the, the <laughs> champion now and lose and see you later. It's it's not a bad idea. You're right. Yeah. So I like that. Um, so for this match, I mean, uh, in the pre-show, which kind of means it's <laughs> it means it's kind of DOA, or as you would say, toast. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and just safely say that Neville's gonna hold on to that belt. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm gonna pick Neville here. <laughs> if he if he can't if he can't uh, manage to drop the belt to Austin Aries after Austin Aries giving him some incredible matches. A lot of stiff competition. I just don't see him losing it to Tozawa on Tozawa's first attempt to take it off of him. Right. Um, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go. I feel like the Tozawa buying into the Titus brand is kind of against his own will or lost in translation. Something here is not uh, completely on the straight and narrow. So maybe the fact that he and Titus don't really jive will be part of what cost him the match. I don't know. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, the typical stuff that makes Apollo lose a match. You know, Titus shenanigans uh, will probably end up costing Akira in this situation. But like I said, if it's in the pre-show, I mean, titles changed hands once on the pre-show, I think, that I've seen. Probably I'll say, I'll say it. Seldomly do they change hands on the pre-show. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Neville's not going to lose in the pre-show. So we've got the Raw Women's Championship up for grabs as well as the defending champion Alexa Bliss goes on to face Sasha Banks. The boss. The boss. The boss hog. The boss hog. Okay, it's something else. Um, so it should be a uh, a decent match. I don't uh, not liking Sasha Banks lately. Not like in Sasha Banks, though. How about you? I love Sasha Banks. What, what's up with you and Sasha? No, she's a good wrestler. Okay, yeah. I don't know why they all of a sudden decided to make Sasha Banks indestructible. Like, beating basically Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, your champion and your women monster on the same night, you know, uh, winning every match, basically. It's one thing to, for her to be like the the super face or whatever, but she's still tiny. 
Bailey's bigger than she is, but Bailey gets thrown around. You know what I mean? Like, she loses all the time, fairly. So it's kind of... Charlotte? Same thing. Charlotte will lose a match fairly. But Sasha is just... She's becoming like the Roman Reigns of the women's... <laughs> the women. I don't understand at all. I don't know. I, I don't quite get that, so... Hmm. Um, but... That's just me. As I, I never, I never like it when someone is indestructible. Yeah, which is why I've got issues with like John Cena, and even Cena's, you know, lost quite a bit. I mean, he lost cleanly to AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, and you know all that stuff. But uh, someone like Roman Reigns and like, even Seth Rollins, like, can't seem to lose a match. It's kind of like, why? How come he can't just lose a match? You know, That's one thing I liked about NXT again. Oh yeah, anyone can just lose, and you know, more or less fairly. Not oh so and so's on the outside they're distracted oh schoolboy roll up pin uh, but anyway so that's my issue with Sasha Banks these days um, I sincerely hope she does not beat Alexa Bliss for the championship though uh, I think we mentioned before on the show a while back you actually mentioned it uh, we are getting dangerously close to SummerSlam and uh, what better way to have a SummerSlam uh, than Sasha Banks versus Bailey rematch considering their match at takeover brooklyn so many years ago it's what the third anniversary since then it is well the second anniversary a uh, third right yeah year. basically the third occurrence yeah yeah um so that would make a lot of sense and we know that would be a barn burner um but i'd hate for alexa to just lose the title and then kind of be forgotten because i have a feeling that if alexa loses the title she's she's done that's it for her ah uh. I don't think so, be only because of the way they're pushing her. Again, I think that when they brought her over and put Charlotte over on SmackDown, that was incredibly surprising to me. Really did not expect them to take Charlotte off of Raw. Mm-hmm. But when they did, and then they essentially replaced Charlotte with Alexa and then upgraded the title of that person from queen to goddess, to me that showed a long-term investment. Or some long-term goals in mind. So even if they do take the belt off Alexa, I think she's she's okay. Now, without that belt, your fears are certainly justified because she could get lost in the mix. Because when they start toying with stuff, sometimes they're like, oh, well... Never mind about our plans. We're going to do this now. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, rumor going around right now um, over what to do about Lesnar, Reigns, Joe, and Strowman thanks to the, I guess, the unexpected success of Joe in this program. Right. This is odd because WWE isn't known for just kind of scrapping plans on the fly. They usually have like a set path and it's like, well, on the path. It's on the path, you know. So I don't think Alexa, unless that were to happen in her case, I don't think her being without the belt is necessarily going to spell her doom. Um, I also think that her talent and her fan base, whether they're booing or cheering her, is going to be enough to sustain her. Uh, Sasha Banks is the one that's that's weird to me because it's almost like she has you know hot week, cold week, hot week, cold week. It depend. It really depends on the city. Now, it's not a Cena or Roman thing where, depending on the city, they boo or cheer her. They she's consistently cheered, but it's just how big is the pop? Yeah, well, they you were, know, they're not they're really, in Boston. Yeah, they cheer a lot. Know, nobody's <laughs> nobody's booing her, right? But it's like, how hard are they cheering Sasha this week? It all depends, right? Well, and I think that that 
is partially because of her not having a lot of direction without the title. You know, she briefly did the thing with Rich Swan, and I don't know why the hell you would have stopped that. I mean, apparently, I guess she kind of got bent out of shape because they were sort of, you know, teasing a romance storyline. And I guess she she literally made a face and kind of turned her nose up on talking smack when like a romance was mentioned between her and Rich. And it's like, okay, that, that's but fine. But Young turned her nose up. And didn't like, like we it. know Kayfabe is dead, but it shouldn't be on the air. <laughs> that know? is a dumb idea, writers at Raw. Exactly. Right. Like Sasha turning to the camera essentially and saying like, okay, yeah, I'll dance with him on 205 Live, but I am married. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, but no, this no, is no. all fake bullshit. Exactly. We are actors. Please, Sasha. Please. Say anything so. Well, that being said, who do you think is going to leave Great Balls of Fire with the championship title? I think Alexa leaves with the title. Whoa! I think that when... I mean, and I know that they were my words. It came out of my mouth that I thought we would see Sasha and Bailey face each other at SummerSlam for the women's title. But now I don't think we will. We may see Sasha versus Bailey, but I don't think it's for the women's championship. I oh. think they're really going to go toward an Alexa Naya for SummerSlam. We're definitely building up an Alexa Naya something. I think if one of those two matchups, Alexa Naya or Sasha Bailey, needs the belt more, it's Alexa Naya. Right. Because Sasha and Bailey have the built-in anniversary it's brooklyn we've done it before let's do it again you can build it as a nostalgia thing you can build it as a grudge match you can build it build it as a throwback there's a lot of things you can do it's you know tough, you can even though, do it as a friendly rivalry it's tough though it's SummerSlam, which means it's raw and smackdown on it you're gonna have your women's championship for both shows defended is there room for a third women's match? There ought to be. I know there ought to be, Darren. But I'm telling you, if that match happens, the Sasha and Bailey match happens, it has to be for the championship. Otherwise, there's no room for it. Otherwise, it's like an hour-long pre-show match. Well, and that may be. Right. Because you got to remember, this is going to be a six- to seven-hour show, SummerSlam, similar to WrestleMania. Right. So they certainly have the time for it. Mm -hmm. Do they feel that they have the audience's attention enough? I say they do. Because, I, as I've been saying for the longest time, the women's wrestling is absolutely on par with the men's wrestling at this point, even in WWE. And it doesn't matter. I know it matters to them. WWE does not think the women's wrestling is on par. They've done a hell of a good job of acknowledging that it has grown and evolved, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think they feel it's on par. But being as I feel that way, yeah, I think they could and they should. And I think that Alexa and Nia need the belt involved more because Sasha is just kind of like, yeah, I should be the champion because I'm the best, but... You know, the boss gimmick doesn't work as well when you're a babyface. You know, if she were healing it up real bad and she's like, and I'm the boss and I run this piece 
and of course I'm gonna be the champion. Give me that belt back. That'd be one thing. Right. Doesn't seem quite as necessary or essential to that character if that character is a babyface. Right. Bailey, she's not. Doesn't have the hunger anymore. There's no. There's no eye of the tiger. There's no chase that's really intriguing as a story right now. Alexa, though, she is absolutely in love with herself as the champion. Right. She is possessive and covetous of that championship. And then you've got Nia, who's never held it. And if you look at the gauntlet match that she just went through, and you look at the way she's been performing on Raw. Which is horribly booked, by the way. <laughs> the gauntlet match for, for Raw. Nia, as a result of all this, is clearly getting a push. Right. So I think SummerSlam is six weeks away. It's a long time. I But I don't see the belt changing hands before SummerSlam. Right. Certainly not at this show and then again before SummerSlam. But got to go with Alexa winning at Great Balls of Fire so she can feud with Nia and then they'll face each other at SummerSlam. I'll say Alexa keeps the belt as well. I'll agree with you on that. However, you forget that Sasha has won the Raw Women's Championship numerous times. Three times, I think. On pay-per-views? No, no, no. no. Oh, there's still time for Sasha to win the belt (laughs) again on Raw because that's her thing to win on Raw. So are you saying there's also time for Charlotte to come back to the Raw roster? Only if there's a record to be broken. Um, <laughs> quickest roster jump, uh, Sasha, Charlotte, Flair. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I think Alexa needs to retain just because Sasha doesn't need the belt. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll agree with you and say Alexa's going to keep it going. So With that, we go into a uh, straight-up grudge match. No belts on the line. I'm sorry. No titles on the line. That's right. They don't like the B word. Don't, don't say that dirty word. Uh, Seth Rollins. Seth frickin' Rollins. Taking on Bray frickin' Wyatt. The eater of worlds. The eater of worlds. So why does he care about pinning someone's shoulders in the mat for three seconds? I don't know, man. I I'm could, not eating worlds. I'm pinning people in the mat, Randy. I could, I could absolutely get on my soapbox. And one day we're going to dedicate an entire episode to you and I saying... Why, WWE? Why won't you do right by Bray Wyatt? I, and the fans. I don't think I've ever seen you off your soapbox. I think you're on a segue that is <laughs> soapbox. Oh, Darren, I love you. Anyway, um, I don't like this at all because you know Seth Rollins is just going to beat Bray Wyatt. And Bray Wyatt's like, oh, magic and demons, and I'll contact the underworld and the Death Eaters, and I lose. Like, I mean, it's it's bad. It is bad. It's 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 that's my point exactly. Bray Wyatt was champion for such a short amount of time. Bray Wyatt had the belt for a nanosecond. He had it for a a blink of the eye, and it was very very cool. Everyone's super happy. Bray is super over, and Orton wins it from him so quickly at WrestleMania 33. Uh, it's, uh, Bray, what are they going to do right by you, Bray? Braceif? So, I mean, and like I said, Seth Rollins is just undefeatable for whatever reason, you know, beat Samoa Joe, um, and defeated Triple H, um, and and for a while it seemed like Samoa Joe had nowhere to go, but then all of a sudden Samoa Joe is now fighting Lesnar, which is the total wild card of the match and totally won the uh, Fatal Five way. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have to go with Rollins because history tells me that I'm stupid if I go with Bray Wyatt. You know, and this <laughs> and this may be Bray Wyatt's time. And and if I'm wrong, that's great because that's great for Bray Wyatt. But I don't think they're gonna do anything. No, like because that. the only reason for Bray Wyatt to win this match is to start a new direction, a positive direction, a deliberate direction, and we know they don't have those kind of plans for Bray Wyatt. Right, and that is a tragedy that is a tragedy of the wwe's booking right now he's one of the very best mic workers in the entire industry he's a great wrestler he's an amazing presence he has a huge following and it's babyface out the wazoo and that's so amazing and rare it's like the undertaker but even more babyface Somehow, but also slap on the wrist, slap on the wrist for the whole JoJo scandal. Why are they slapping him on the wrist for that? Could be a slap on the wrist JoJo scandal. No, no way. Okay, well, just just the 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 perpetual slapping of the wrists and face when it comes to Bray Wyatt character on television. Ah. You're doing some great work, Bray. You're losing, and uh, so. Yeah. The problem with, with Bray Wyatt is, uh, unlike a lot of these other people that we've urged to don't sign with WWE yet, or, hey, yeah, don't renew your contract, go out, you know, sow your wild oats elsewhere, come back. He can't leave and be Bray Wyatt at all. I mean, the guy's name is Wyndham Rotundo, which... Which, how badass is that, by the way? He... If he goes out into the world and wrestles as Wyndham Rotundo and kind of does maybe like a version of the Bray Wyatt gimmick or even something completely different and stays out there in the indies for four or five years, then okay, that would be worth it. But it's not actually worth it if he wants to go and do a year or two elsewhere to try and prove a point to Vincent Company because... He's going to suffer not having all of that extra character cachet built in. Well, that's different because you leave WWE or NXT or, you know, wherever because you need a change in gimmick. Whereas Bray is kind of, it's he's knocked out of the park. He doesn't need to change that gimmick. You know, Cody Rhodes' Stardust was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I this? Can I just not be this? And they're like, no, you're Stardust. You're fucking Stardust. <laughs> so they're like, okay, I'll be Cody Rhodes. And hey, how we did it? You know, Sammy Callahan is the hacker on NXT. And now he's just Sammy Callahan, the Desperado. And, and it's like, oh, that works so much better than what they had me doing. Bray Wyatt is not that, though. It's like the Undertaker leaving and going to become me, Mark Callis. Right. It would have never worked. <laughs> it would have never worked. I no. mean, it would have. I mean, any, yeah. Even if it kind of worked in its own way, it would not have been able to match up. Right. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen somewhere else for Bray Wyatt. I just want it to happen here. Uh-huh. And it's not happening. It's not, and if it is, it's not happening on this night. So we're saying? Absolutely. Okay. I don't want to, but I'm saying so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we have a grudge match, folks. A very sad state of affairs here. Who thought they'd see the day where Enzo Amore had to take on his tag team partner, Big Cass? Oh, I knew. I knew I'd see the day. Right. I, mean, I didn't want to. 
I don't want to. I mean, I talked about this happening months ago and no one listened to me, but it is happening now. Um, we didn't think they'd actually have an altercation. I thought they would just kind of part ways. Yeah. But I didn't think it'd actually be a match match, but I guess it makes sense. You got to give them this. This might be like the final like big cast, just like, like I told you so, like, you know, this is me really beating the shit out of Enzo and... It has to end in kind of a Gargano Champa heel turn kind of a way. It has to win with Cass winning, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because Cass, Cass can't lose. Enzo can't be the point. reason. Exactly. Enzo can't be the reason Cass never wins, only for Cass to lose to Enzo. Also, they're I mean, they're trying to push big Cass. I think he's it's gotta be the next big show. And they say that this is not going to be some long extended program. That this will be a kind of one and done. Cass needs to just slaughter Enzo. In which case, I think Cass should even lose by disqualification because he's beating Enzo so much. I would like that. Enzo leaves television for about a month and then comes back. But I think even then, you don't have him on Raw. I say put him on 205 Live and help 205 Live a little bit. Um, And also have Enzo fight as a singles competitor. It's a different kind of style, you know? It's it's not called 450 live. The prerequisite is you have to weigh 205 or under, not you have to be able to do a 450, which most of those guys can. I don't think Enzo can do a 450, but he's tiny, you know, put him on that roster. And again, just that different, the different fighting style would just kind of change things up automatically. And Enzo, everyone loves Enzo, so it's going to shoot some life into SmackDown. Although I should say those who love Enzo love Enzo. A lot of people don't like Enzo. No, a lot of people are stupid. Wow. Man. Enzo Amore <laughs> is a saint. Oh, wow. Saint Amore? Enzo Amore is consistently in my top 10 wrestlers of the month. Oh. And yes, I make a top 10 wrestlers of the month list every month. You make a list? Yeah. You know. You know it. The beauty of these lists is that at the end of the year, when you and I sit down to do a series of year-in-review segments. One of them I know that we assuredly will do is our top 10 wrestlers of the year. Very difficult to put that list together last year, just trying to remember the whole year and who was with which company or which brand and were they injured or what, you know. Well, was there a three-month period where they were doing jobs like... I had Seth Rollins and Hideo Tommy and they didn't belong on that list at all and... Uh, the Expos, the baseball team was on there. and uh, <laughs> I didn't do a lot of research. That's very strange. That is, okay, yeah, that's really dumb. Yeah. But, it, uh, so I decided to do this this top 10 every month and then line those 12 lists up at the end of the year and then see, you know, who really, in my mind, had the best year. The Beasley rankings, I believe it's called. It is. Okay. That's what it's called. Okay. I, um, because that's my name. <laughs> and, uh... Enzo is always there. I mean, it doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter if he and Big Cass are jobbing. It doesn't matter if all the news is that they don't give a shit about him backstage. It doesn't matter if the fans are turning on him. I love Enzo Amore. When he comes out, he is the realest guy in the room. I buy it. I buy into it. I mark for it. I'm a fan of it. I support him personally and professionally. I'm entertained by this guy on a whole other level that over half of the Raw roster can't touch Enzo Amore in terms of pure entertainment. Wow. That being said, there's no way he's winning this oh, on this night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like we just said a few minutes ago, Cass has to win. It's the whole point of the breakup. The only way Enzo wins this, like you said, is by DQ because Big Cass decides to relentlessly, ceaselessly beat on Enzo. I even see like taking Enzo to the outside and like throwing him on the announcer's table and all that stuff and mercilessly beating him in the event of a double count out. You know, I even see that happening. But either way, Enzo is going to be helped out of the out of the ring. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there's that. But it's heartbreaking. I will continue to shed a tear, just like the one that is now tattooed on Enzo's cheek. Yeah, that is a new tattoo, isn't it? I thought that was new. I don't know if it's real. That's okay. the thing. And I think because it killed someone. Once you go to the face, all right. Once you go to the face tattoo, a real face tattoo. I mean, even the Undertaker, you know, used to sport. The teardrop tattoo, but it was drawn on. Right. Uh, oh, I don't know. It may have been. It may have been a real tattoo. I mean, we know he has done away with a few other ones in sensitive areas, like the throat. Yeah. When you get a Sarah. woman, when you get a woman or man's name tattooed on your body, you better be pretty sure. Well, I may get your name tattooed on me at some hey, point. Hey, that'd be nice. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that this is an unbreakable bond. It is. Here, this wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Just like we thought Enzo and Big Cass would be forever. Hey, what are you hey. saying? But I'm the I'm the talented one. Um, <laughs> so we're both going with uh, Big Cass winning, correct? Yeah. Yeah, which again, it's, tri- it's tricky because in the event of, you know, Cass getting disqualified because he's beating Enzo so badly and all that stuff and... And double countouts aside, we're pretty sure Big Cass will will be walking tall out of the ring, is all we're saying. Well, he certainly will be walking tall, because it's he's true. seven foot tall. And you can't... I, I, oh, you can't say that, you can't say oh, that. Oh, no, and you can't say that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's that. The Intercontinental title is also up for grabs as The Miz uh, defends it against Dirty Deeds, uh, Dean Ambrose. I will say the biggest upside of the recent developments in this feud is that at least Miz traded in the giant bears for Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas, who was kind of a bear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas that appeared on Raw this week. Oh, it gives them something to do. I mean, Dean Ambrose, of course, ripped them shreds. Mm Mm-hmm. But I kind of dug him. I kind of liked the look. Curtis Axel, had, for the first time ever, had a look on his face like, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing here. I belong here. And I am entertaining you. And I deserve to be in this position. I've never seen that look on Curtis Axel's face before. I've always seen a dirt look on his face. And that is way too unfortunate because, first of all, derp face. he's the son of Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. He is the grandson of Larry the Axe Henning. And by all accounts, he is the cat's pajamas in the wrestling ring. And yet, nothing he's ever done on WWE programming until this week was of any real consequence or showed any quality above the bare minimum. That word, bear, he said, we're not doing the bears anymore. No, 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 no. 
Okay. And Bo Dallas, I don't know, man. Like, I totally was into the Bo Leave and all that when he was the NXT champion. It never worked on Raw. I really hated the whole social outcast thing. And then ever since he's just sort of been Bo Dallas mean mad man uh, running around looking like a, you know, bargain basement Bray Wyatt. Uh-huh, is that? Uh, no. But then just like Curtis Axel with his nice, you know, parted hair, his country club duds, all of a sudden you have Bo Dallas looking like a BA limo driver for like, you know, some high roller. I was totally into it. Miz that high roller. I do like the way that Bo Dallas looks in the ring now. Instead of the wet, slick back hair, it's his hair's dry and buffed out. And like he's wearing dark wrestling gear and he's got the gloves. And he came out to break up the Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar battle in the uh, in the ring, and I didn't even know who that was. <laughs> right. Because I, I didn't think, I if it had happened, I hadn't noticed it, that he really debuted that look. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Has he, has they, they not debuted this guy? Uh, is he, or, or is that, is that Rhino? Or? Yeah, no, exactly, is, yeah. Is that Bray Rhino? Because, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Bo Dallas is kind of a thick guy. So there's, there's kind of a, a, definitely a Rhino comparison there. Doesn't help when Rhino and Heath Slater are involved in this feud. Um, but anyway, um, so, you know, I, I do like what they're doing with uh, him and Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel, it seems like WWE has something against him. It does. You may way. recall a month or two ago, Curtis Axel wrestled in his hometown when they were there. People had Curtis Axel signs, and WWE personnel took the signs away from people. That's right. Don't know why. Never got a story, but it definitely happened. It definitely happened. So we don't know what the deal there is. And obviously, he hasn't really been on television in a long no. time. And they made until that recently. Yeah, and they made that one shirt for him that was some sort of Scandinavian thing. Right. And then they also very briefly brought back the Axelmania thing. And I don't know if that was to further test the waters about bringing Hulk Hogan back. See how that might fly. Anybody even pretending to be Hulk Hogan, that just as quickly disappeared. Yeah. So again, I don't know what WWE has against him, but it was nice to see him this week. I like the fact that they're with The Miz. I was a huge fan of them bringing back the Spirit Squad and actually letting them hang around for a while as sort of a, you know, like do boys for The Miz. It makes sense for The Miz as that character to have henchmen. It's really good. Yeah. So I, I dug that. And it gives us something to do for sure. But on the topic of The Miz and Dean Ambrose, uh, Miz will probably likely have uh, Bo and uh, Curtis Axel in his corner. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think this is, you don't need to give the IC belt back to Dean Ambrose. He doesn't need it. Uh, we talked about it, him even going into the match. At Extreme Rules, it was just like, he doesn't even need this belt. He obviously needs to give it to The Miz, which happened, and it's fine with, you know, even though I like Dean Ambrose better than The Miz. Um, so, yeah, you don't need to give it back to Ambrose. Almost like Ambrose doesn't even want it. Like, he wants to beat up The Miz more than he wants the IC belt. He can totally yeah. read that on his face. Um, I think Dean Ambrose wants to do anything except what he's doing yeah he doesn't want to do all this with the miz uh, yeah I, th I think he wants to switch dance partners is what it is i 
I think he wants to switch a lot. I mean, I can't pretend to know, you know, Dean Ambrose's heart here. And Renee has his heart, dirt. But I, I, I think that this guy has got to want more. He's already had so much more in his WWE run, and now he doesn't have any of that. And st- I just, I don't like him being a, a joke character yeah. or a character. If he's not a joke character, then he's just a character with too many jokes. That's for damn sure. It's sad because, and The Miz brings us up, and I don't, don't know at what point it became The Miz's thing to say the negative things that people say <laughs> on the internet about people right. um, on the show. That definitely became the Mrs. Thing at some point. Ah, uh, you're right. Um, when he calls uh, Ambrose like complacent and lazy and and all this stuff, like things that the like the the, the top brass says about people that WrestleZone gets wind of right. and melts or mentions and <laughs> fucking Miz regurgitates it back on these people, and it's like, what are you doing? Um, but I mean, they want Ambrose to be this like stone cold type character and he could, they're not going to let Dean Ambrose drive a fucking beer truck to the ring. So what do they want from Dean Ambrose? Like, what is he supposed to do? Just don't be silly. Just don't He's not be writing silly. this shit for himself. No, oh, I know that. I'm not criticizing him. Right. That's why I say, I don't know what's in his heart, but I know there's got to be a longing for something more. Yeah. There needs to be some sort of change with Ambrose, or... There needs to be a pretty drastic change. He's getting a little stale. I mean, ladies will like Ambrose forever because he's he's got those rugged good looks, you know. Um, you don't even have to turn him heel. Just stop making him so damn jolly. Yeah. I mean, because he's almost jolly. Like, he's, he's like... I don't know, it's kind of corny. Almost. Like, he's almost... Horny, and I mean, if you take him at face value with the language that he uses, then like you know he's acknowledging that he's corny, right? But it's like stop. I don't know. It's too sincere. It's too matter of fact. Even maybe silly or corny isn't even the right word. It's just too straightforward. Yeah, and everyone keeps calling him lazy, and he is super laid back, so he appears lazy no matter what. Right. So it's almost like everyone's just right about him. Exactly. Lazy. And they can't be right about yeah, that. He needs to be for that character. He needs to be more unstable. Uh, you know, more of a live wire. Um, like Brian Pillman. Exactly, Pillman esque. You took the words right out of my mouth. There's a meatloaf reference for the episode. Um, yeah, make him make him somewhere along the lines of Pillman, um, or leave him like this. Whatever no, he's every, he's like, everyone's buddy. Just put him in he's a bear the costume. Jeff Bridges of fucking Raw. Hey, everything's cool, man. That's your buddy. So you're picking Miz, huh? Miz, he needs to win. Yeah. Uh, again, I like Ambrose better than the Miz, but Miz needs to win this. So, um, so yeah, you also picking. Oh, the Miz? I'm also picking the Miz. Okay. I think he. You know he needs it. He deserves it. Um, as as for every every opportunity they're missing with Dean Ambrose, they're currently doing the right thing with the Miz. This is a way to keep the Miz out of that main event scene while still keeping him super relevant. It seems like every week there's something new to keep him fresh and hot and keep the heel heat on him. Um. Uh, but it, which did not include LeVar Ball, of course, because 
Oh Putting God. Miz in there with LeVar Ball and his two numbskull sons. Oh, and poor Dean Ambrose has to show up and say, yeah, I like these guys. They basically scrapped that whole thing. Oh, and Ambrose trying to talk while Ball would not shut up. And he's running around the ring with his shirt off. It's like, <laughs> it's like you know, in the era of, oh my God, please break from the script. Okay, unless you're LeVar Ball. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I at that point, it's like, well, I, see, if I'd have been Dean Ambrose at that point, I'd have been like, all bets are off. If I have to come out here every single week and say a bunch of BS that some TV writer wrote for me, and I can't be Dean, I can't be the Dean Ambrose that I want to be, that the audience wants me to be, and I got to do all this, well, this dumbass, LeVar Ball, and his stupid kids, who are a one one and done, they're allowed to go off script, especially when it stomps all over my lines. Man, if I were Ambrose, I'd have gone off. Instead, he had to just sit there and swallow it and keep restarting what he was going to say. Yeah. Because his lines were getting walked all over. Anytime they bring in non-wrestling personnel, and it's always like, oh, here we go. You know, it's even worse when the non-wrestlers make the wrestlers look bad. Like, you know, Ashton Kutcher's on one of the shows, I forget which, and he's, like, putting down some yeah, of the wrestlers. Yeah, when he and Danny Masterson... Uh, they, they put down, like, Jericho, right? Jericho and, um, I guess Kevin Owens, maybe? Yeah. Okay, when yeah. Jericho and Owens were doing the, the friends thing, the best friends thing. Right, 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 right. But it was, I mean, Ashton Kutcher is a tall guy. He's, like, 6'5". You know, obviously taller than Owens and Jericho's like, yeah, little man, little man. It's like, those are your champions. Like, what? Right. Are you, why are you letting this happen, Vince? Um, so yeah, I mean, anytime that happens, it's it's always a it's always a crapshoot, and you usually lose. Um, <laughs> so anyway, with all that said, uh, yeah, the Miz is going over on Ambrose. What, what can I say? So the tag team titles, Darren Beasley. Tag team titles currently belong to Cesaro and Sheamus. And I'm okay with that. Totally. I'm a big fan. Totally fine. Because you fan. love the coordinated looks. Uh-huh. Well, you do. Do you not? I do. I was under the impression that you liked the coordinated look. Was I wrong? You're right, but I daren't... Not Darren. I daren't mention them. Well, I daren't guarantee you. That, that's a guarantee. When something Darren... It's going to do for sure. I call that a guarantee. Okay. Crocodile guarantee. <laughs> uh, I went straight to video. That's not a knife. Uh, that's not a thing. Okay. Anyway, it's a tag team match between Cesaro and Sheamus, who are the champions, as we've established. Uh, they have matching attire, which Darren loves. Uh, they take on the Hardy Boys, the yet-to-be-broken Hardy Boys, uh, the, again, state of disrepair Hardy Boys. Um, and it's not good enough that it's a raw tag team title match. No, it's a 30-minute Iron Man match. In which case, if it's going to be half the length of an actual Iron Man match, call it something else, please. Just call it something else. Right. I hate this 30-minute Iron Man match bullshit. You know, back in the day, matches had a 20-minute time limit anyway. It could have been Billy Youngnuts versus Billy Sting uh, at a 20-minute time limit. And that's uh, one thing I love about New Japan, by the way. Is the in a twenty minute they have two time Billy's limits. enter one Billy Lee exactly match. exactly um, but no I, I love that it, it has that old school feel because there's a time limit oh in New Japan yeah New Japan oh, yeah. there are updates to like how long the match is going you don't understand what the updates are because it's the Japanese 
But uh, to me, it gives me that it literally takes me to to my childhood attending NWA shows right. live, and they would do that and in the arena. More like a sporting event because that's what it is. There, you know, I I I'm on board with sports entertainment. I support Vince McMahon fully. I'm a WWE fan through and through. And I understand how things have changed over the years. But to absolutely remove just about every speck of sport from your product, I, I don't like that. Right. Because you, you gotta... it's, it's, it's not a sporting event. It's a television show, right? Well, the NBA comes on television. Does that mean it's just a TV show? Hey, let's watch this NBA show. No, we'll watch the fucking game. You want to watch the game? Because it's a game. It's a sporting event. Right. It, that comes on television. It is televised. Yeah. Why can't wrestling be that? Because <sighs> Vince McMahon said so. And that's, oh. and that's no! Line. No! Let's talk about this. What do you think about this match? Uh, well, I definitely think that I uh, am in complete agreement. It's only going to be 30 minutes. Don't call it an Iron Man match. Call it literally anything. First of all, don't have 30-minute Iron Man match. Don't have that exist. How about do a best there's, of three falls? There's nothing match. thirty. There's nothing Iron Man-ish about 30 minutes. No. Especially when you've... It's Stone you, Man. You've cut <laughs> the time limit in half, and you've doubled the amount of participants. Okay? It's very... Oh, God. It's oh god! How can a tag match oh. possibly go thirty minutes, Darren? You know the stamina it takes for four men to wrestle for thirty minutes. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like there should never, should not be more than one fall even possible in a thirty-minute tag team Iron Man match. They shouldn't have time. To have multiple falls. I agree. I think the only cool thing about this is that you just go to basically a 30-minute time limit, just draw, and that's it. Would they do that? No. They'd go, well, you know what? These people paid good money. The WWE Universe paid good money, and we're going to go until we have a new champion tonight. Which they wouldn't say that because that means they're in favor of the Hardy Boys winning. But still, you see what I'm saying? I think most Iron Man matches end with, what, you think you're done? <laughs> In which case, this just needed to be a 60-man Iron Man match. But again, I think a best of three falls tag match would have been kind of cool, too. Um, but I Yeah, know. I don't understand why they're absolutely... Pipping out the Iron Man match these days? Well, that. Yeah. And I don't know why they're insisting on making these matchups between Cesaro and Sheamus and the Hardys... Gimmick matches to begin with. Right. Uh, every one of them. So it's like, and this is just bad. This is just a bad idea. Not 30-minute Iron Man. I don't, even, I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like it at all. But I think you and I both agree that Cesaro and Sheamus are going to keep the belts, right? They, I, Yes, I definitely agree with you there. There's a lot of retention here. A lot of retention. A lot of anal retention. A lot of anal retention. Um, a lot of water retention. Uh, but so far we have it. Basically, every champion is going to hold on to their strap, though, man. 
And, and so it may be, or you know, or else there therein lies our doom. Is that possible though? Have we seen a wrestling event where no title changed hands? Sure. I don't think we. There's usually one. Yeah, there is. There's usually one. Now I'm worried looking at the card. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not changing any of my answers because, as we all know, Perry Smith don't back down from nothing. We learned that on episode 17. You remember that? You were there. Do we learn? Is that the one? If I go back and edit it, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we learned that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, storyline wise, if the if the broken thing's going to happen soon, yeah, with already boys. They don't need to get broken on a win. Right. They don't need to get broken on a win. <laughs> yeah. They don't need to get broken on the the success and the celebration of them as a team. Right. But also, why would you get another shot at the belts if you lost, like, twice in a row? Um, so, I don't know. The directionlessness of this division <laughs> makes it hard to call. It is difficult. Because part of, part of me wants to say the Hardys just because... If not, then what are you doing with the Hardys? If you're not immediately going to go into the broken thing, and what are you doing with Cesaro and Sheamus? But then again, what are you doing with Cesaro and Sheamus retaining? Right. They they need to, to be a little... They need to push the envelope with Cesaro and Sheamus' heels. They need to start getting really down and dirty with some folks. Doing some old school, nasty four horsemen tactics. I could dig that. Or something like that. Like, these guys... Slamming car get, doors and, you know... They need to People's get heads. mean and vicious and dirty, and you know, I think it would be amazing. Is Odo and Sheamus go over? They retain the potatoes. They and retain next, their potatoes. Sorry, go ahead. And next, we have an ambulance match, which probably will end up being the main event. You realize, right? You think? I think it will. No, I mean, we we have the universe title last, but I'm sure this will actually go on last. I will not be happy if that turns out to be the case. We're well, ready to not be happy. Well, I already plan to be very unhappy most of this night. Okay, well, that's be a lot of fun to hang around you that night. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'd much rather this be a uh, a New Japan card or... Uh, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, Roman Reigns taking on Braun Strowman in an ambulance match where uh, to win... You must stuff your opponent into an ambulance and wait. Do you drive the ambulance or do someone? Drive you don't it? have to drive it at all. Oh, okay, you just okay, good, good. you have to put your opponent in the ambulance and close the doors. It's like a casket match where you'd have to put your opponent in the casket and close the casket. Right. Only it's a giant white and orange casket that's on wheels. Of course. Which kind of that's what an ambulance is anyway. But anyway, that's well, depressing. Hopefully, way to look at it. well, <laughs> hopefully, an ambulance is not always taking you to your death right hopefully a lot of the time maybe even most of the time it's saving one's yeah, life yeah there you go but you could it's perspective we talked about this earlier you could though you could i never really thought about it that way but you could kind of make an ambulance casket comparison an ambulance match and a casket match anyway sort of like why ambulances and hearse used to be the same vehicle Right. Only an ambulance was painted white and red, and a hearse was painted black. But they were the same car because you were essentially doing the. They're like thing. guys, we're bumping people out. We got <laughs> to change what an ambulance looks like. They're like guys, in about forty years, we're gonna bum Perry Smith out, 
So, uh, yes. let's, let's make the ambulance much bigger and boxier. But how cool does this Ecto-1 look? Yes. Um, and plus, if we put a bigger ass on that ambulance, we might actually be able to put some equipment in there which could help save someone's life. <laughs> ambulance used to just go straight to the graveyard. There was already, there was already a pre-dug hole, and they just threw you in. They are like, it's... Uh... Uh, anyway, so Roman Reigns taking Brunch Strowman on... And this ambulance match, total exhibition match, um, and I mean, I'd say Strowman really should win this, but again, I'm getting that feeling like I should know better, uh, so I, I don't know. I do feel like the winner of this, well, no, what am I saying? Roman Reigns is already called, because you can do that, called uh, taking on uh, the winner of Lesnar and Joe at SummerSlam. Uh, which is absurd. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. I know it is. You know what Samoa Joe had to go through to get the title shot? And then Roman Reigns goes, Hey, me. Like I was saying earlier when discussing the women's title match, here we've got these two matches left with Roman and Strowman and Lesnar and Joe. And you've got a potential WrestleMania 34 main event they keep talking about of Lesnar and Reigns floating out there somewhere. Then you've got the idea that we've got to get the belt off of Lesnar. The part-time champion idea is not working. People are getting mad. And, and, and you add to that, well, we, we refuse, we're not going to give in. We're not going to make Roman Reigns a heel. But we are going to acknowledge that Braun Strowman is way over. And he's way over as a babyface. And add to that, that now they're sort of extra surprised at how the fans are really taking to Samoa Joe. They're buying into him as a heel because they do want to cheer Lesnar because people just like Brock Lesnar. So they're buying into Joe as a heel and they're booing him as a heel, but not in that Roman kind of way. They're booing him because he's a good heel because they do like Joe too. So now it's like, well, hell, what are they going to do? Are they going to speed up Roman taking the belt off of Lesnar, which was supposed to happen, you know, from what we hear at WrestleMania 34 next year, next April in New Orleans, and make it happen instead in Brooklyn in August? Or what do they do? Do they have a Joe rematch with Lesnar at SummerSlam? Do they have Strowman go over Roman? And now Strowman gets a shot at Lesnar? These are both two pivotal matches. They are. And the booking, whether they know it or not, uh, they've totally paid themselves into corners. Sure. Because whoever wins, we lose. Uh, <laughs> tagline for uh, Alien vs. Predator. One thing good about that whole movie was the tagline. Um... Because, uh, yeah, whoever wins, that's going to change the plan, ultimately, um, for the future of uh, of Raw. And uh, Strowman should just beat Reigns. He really should. He should just beat Reigns and go ahead and have a Strowman-Lesnar match at SummerSlam, which would be awesome. Yeah. I, I know you want to save every big match for uh, WrestleMania, but go ahead and just have Strowman win the belt and beat <sighs> Lesnar. 
That's a monster beating a monster. You know, still, still fine. It's totally fine. Reigns loses here. Can't get that rematch until WrestleMania. If you want to have this match, you know, whatever. If you, I mean, I don't. I guess you want to have Lesnar versus Reigns at WrestleMania. So there's a thousand ways to get the belt off of Strowman to give it back to Lesnar at some point. But I think Strowman needs to have the belt for a while. That'd be awesome. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, I think everyone would be down for it too. But more, um, more so, more so than Lesnar, who's never around. More so than Reigns, which people mostly dislike. Just give it to Strowman. Just give it to Strowman, he's man. Bigger than all these guys, and now that and he, people like him, people, and he's he's going to be there every week. People straight up love him, and they love him as a monster, and simultaneously as a babyface. Yeah, and you got to run with that. Because that is sort of an Undertaker or Kane type of babyface reaction. And that is rare. That is very rare. That's like, I mean, it's kind of like Hulk Hogan and George the Animal Steel together. <laughs> you know, and it's like, Hulk the Animal that Steel. is so rare. And Braun Strowman is pulling it off. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm calling Braun Strowman to win the match. Oh! That's how angry I am. It's true. Well, I mean, uh, Strowman could win, but Roman still called the uh, the match with the Lesnar or Joe. But... And what Roman wants, <laughs> Roman, Roman gets. gets. Wonderful. Um, and uh, Strowman needs to win this, but they're going to book it Reigns winning this. I have to go with with my, with my brains and say Roman Reigns is going to win the match. Okay. You can't have him lose the pay-per-view going into SummerSlam where he's fighting for the belt. If it were only two or three or even four weeks away, I would absolutely, with no hesitation, agree with that. The fact that it's six weeks away gives me just an, enough doubt. Because in six weeks, they could rewrite the entire company. Oh, absolutely. They frequently do. Right. And so Roman could lose here. And one thing we have said is in this era of, doesn't somebody have to win? Mm-hmm. Or they can't possibly stand to lose again. And it means nothing. Well, but, real, yeah, but a lot of the time it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it does. Like, I kind of feel that if Strowman loses this match to Roman, I, I, I will be... Devastated because yeah. it is just like wow, that's pathetic. Uh, Strowman really cannot beat Roman Reigns in a straight up wrestling match. Well, he's lost the wrestling one, though, match. Roman is the one that, with the the power of Teflon, and these losses don't stick to him. I mean, Roman can do whatever: win, lose, draw, boo, cheer, hate, love, baby, heal. Roman. Just keeps on. He's a fucking energizer bunny. I don't think it matters if Roman Reigns wins or loses. It's not going to affect him either way. It's not going to change the fan reaction in any way. Um, I think people will like Roman more if he starts losing. Actually, sure. Um, but I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to go Roman Reigns. All right. Also, also to keep it interesting because we have we are down the middle when it comes to the head to head. Head to head, as we often call things down the middle. So with this one changes, it mixes it up. With this one, we find out uh, potentially, depending on how we who we pick for Universal Championship glory. 
who wins the head-to-head? Head-to-head. So, you're going to go with Strowman. I'm going to go with Reigns. And, and that we'll see. Will... And we'll see. And that leaves us with just our main event of the evening. Holla. From the American Airlines Arena in Dallas, Texas, Raw's Great Balls of Fire brings you Brock Lesnar's first universal title defense since his victory at WrestleMania 33, the ultimate thrill ride which came to you from the Citrus Bowl in beautiful Orlando, Florida. The whole reference show was live in attendance for the ultimate thrill ride, and we have not seen Brock Lesnar defend that belt since then, but he will defend that belt on this night, this Sunday night, against the Destroyer, the Samoan Bulldozer, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. If you listen to Roman Reigns, and uh, Roman and Joe had a Samoa off the last several weeks. Over they had a Samoa off, yeah. Who was the legitimate Samoan. And and good for Raw for letting uh, Samoa Joe beat Reigns, you know? Because uh, I mean, he needed to beat Reigns. Otherwise, oh, yeah. he would not be credible going into his match against... Lesser. But don't let don't let that fool you, all right? Because Samoa had like his debut match against Roman Reigns on Raw, and and Roman all but pinned Samoa Joe instantly, um, if not for Braun Strowman breaking up the match, um, which bullshit. Anyway, um, so this is, this is your main event or your second two main event because I still think Reigns and Strowman's gonna be the main event. Um, Lester versus Joe Universal Title, and as much as I want to see Samoa Joe win the belt from Lesnar. You can't have it, right? No. You can't have it. No, Lesnar retains. You can't have it. Lesnar retains. You can't have it. You can't have it. So, nope. Yeah, Lesnar retains. And again, with that, no championship changes hands at great balls of fire. I'm glad this feud has happened the way it's happened, though, that it's unfolded the way it has. They've made a star out of Samoa Joe. Or they've acknowledged the star they have in Samoa Joe. He didn't need to be made. You know, I guess he kind of needed to be made again in WWE. Mm-hmm. But basically, they just let him be. Yes. And it works. Joe's great. He moves faster than you think he would. Uh, he's more agile than you think he would be. And he's a great character. I'm about to say he talks a lot better than you think he would be capable of talking. Um, you know, they gave Heyman... <laughs> to uh, Lesnar because Lesnar's not a great talker and wasn't a huge fan of the talking segment because of most of Lesnar talking on the talking segment on Raw uh, leading up to this. Um, and it's just him going, you're just stupid. And he said the thing that I fucking hate people saying, which is, I'm going to walk in the champion and I'm going to walk out the champion. Oh my God, if someone <laughs> else says that again, I'm going to murder my face. Oh, that doesn't even make sense. Well, But on this night, however much we appreciate the push of Samoa Joe, the acknowledgement of him, however good this program may be. R.I.P. Joe. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. The beast, the conqueror, he will eat, sleep, conquer, and repeat Samoa Joe. I hope, though, actually there is a repeat. Not of a Lesnar victory over Joe, but just of a Joe Lesnar match 
if they rearrange all this stuff and we get Lesnar and Joe 2 at SummerSlam and Joe might even win that, that'd be amazing. Well, it's like you said, too, this might actually be a good match. Right. Which Lesnar's not had a really entertaining match in a while. Um, the match at uh, WrestleMania against Goldberg, actually a better match than it was going to. It almost lasted five minutes. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was a nice spectacle. I actually did enjoy that match for what it was. Uh, this might be a nice, like, technical match, you know, because Lesnar's capable of it, and God knows Samoa Joe is. So, uh, yeah, I just hope it's a really good match. But for the most part, I mean, Lesnar is all but guaranteed a victory. So, there's that. That's it. That's how we calls it. That's how we sees it. Great Balls of Fire, where we got every match uh, we're basically together on, except for Reigns and Strowman. Yeah. And that's going to be the decider, Darren. Yeah. the actual decider. I wonder what your picks are, dear listeners. Yeah. If you can... You're listening to this on Friday before Great Balls of Fire or, or even Saturday. Saturday. Or even Shoot Sunday. Shoot us a message. Let us know what your picks are. We'd be interested to see how you feel about this. There's a lot of you we hear from pretty regularly, and it's always nice when you point out how we're not doing so hot with some of our picks on certain shows. Yeah, it's real nice of you. Let's see how you're doing. Keep listening. <laughs> yeah. You nice people. Um, so that's that. Great Balls of Fire is happening. We talked about it. It'll be the first one in the books. And hopefully the last one in the books. But, uh, hey, what can I say? With that, we're going to make a hop and a skip over to Long Beach, the LBC, where New Japan hit the shores with their G1 special in USA, night one. New Japan Pro Wrestling makes its way ashore in the United States of America in their G1 special in USA. Typically uh, lost in translation. Seems like we need a definite article in there, but New Japan says no. We're here. We're on the West Coast. We're in Long Beach, California, and it is the G1 special. In USA. Kind of like Clash of Champions. Yeah, yeah. Do the same thing, throwing that the out of there. Hey, who needs them? Who needs the the? The English language? You remember the band? You remember the the band, the the? Was there a the the? Oh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I was like... 1980s, baby. I'll scratch that off my list of possible band names. Well, here on this episode of The Whole Ruffin Show, we are going to cover Night One. It was a two-night event held on Saturday, July the 1st and Sunday, July the 2nd of 2017 from Long Beach, California, as we've mentioned, right here in the LBC, in the USA. Right. Just so people don't think we actually broadcast from Long Beach. We don't. We mean from here. We mean in the good old US of A. That's right. We, We broadcast from everywhere. We are ubiquitous yeah we live inside your radio or wherever you're listening to us from your ipod <laughs> your radio your boombox, your tape player that's where people are <laughs> listening to us from people listening to episodes of the whole reference show on cassette tape we're in your pile of rocks <laughs> yes it really was a lot of fun to sit down with you perry and watch live New Japan Pro Wrestling with English commentary 
on American television at a decent hour and know that we're seeing it live. Uh, in a way, of course, I guess that decreases the specialness of, oh my God, we're watching Japanese wrestling from Japan in the middle of the night with Japanese commentary, right. which add, which for the last 30 years I've been watching wrestling has added mystique to it. But you know what? It was nice and comfortable to have it my way, like at Burger King. With, you know, New Japan. Now those those people over in Japan who watch New Japan, when it comes on over there, now they can get up in the middle of the night to watch <laughs> this live. You bunch of jerks, you've had it too good for too long. Yeah, that's true, but we got it good for two nights anyway. And right here, we're going to only report on night one here in this episode. Only night one, folks. Don't get greedy on us. But let's get into it. We had English commentary with Jim Ross and Josh Barnett. Good old JR. Good old JR. Doing some typical good old JR things. JR's more sassy than he's ever been. I, I dare say cynical. Um, there are some things that he said, it's like, oh, he never would have said that if Vince McMahon were in his ear. <laughs> um, That's true. Very a couple true. things he probably legally should not have said. Uh, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of Josh Barnett. Um, I don't think his commentary is poor. I think it's 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 pretty decent. I think his attitude is piss poor. Uh, I, I don't mean well, that. honestly, oh, I kind of do. Yeah, like you mean that? Okay. I I've read interviews and I've heard some uh, some conversations that that Josh Barnett has had uh, in various arenas, and I really don't like his approach to to commentating and to being a part of the professional wrestling industry. Now, this is a guy who is an MMA fighter, an MMA trainer, a, pro, a former professional wrestler, and a pro wrestling trainer. And he's very pro-Japan. He's very pro-strong style. He's very supportive of the ascendance of MMA and of shoot fighting in general, uh, which is fine. What I don't like, though, is that because of that, I think he doesn't really have enough respect for the art of pro wrestling. Hmm. And he just doesn't do his homework. Doesn't do his homework, doesn't get involved, doesn't learn enough about people's backgrounds or their stories. Fair enough. And JR actually was lacking a little bit of the, uh, the backstory and a bit of the knowledge there, too. So, dear listeners, understand... Blind leading the blind, yeah. there wasn't a lot of explanation on this night. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I would definitely take Don Callis and Kevin Kelly, who were commentating New Japan's pay-per-views, over JR and Barnett pretty much any day. But it wasn't terrible. Uh, there was something comforting about hearing Jim Ross's voice. Yeah, of course. Even if what he said was off base from time to time. And just wrong, calling people by the wrong name every now and again, yeah, too. weird. That happened. Um, well, let's get into the card. The opening match is a 10-man tag match. The Bullet Club, which uh, in this particular match is comprised of Matt and Nick Jackson, better known as the Young Bucks. Hello. The villain, Marty Skrull a recent addition to the Bullet Club, Yujiro Takahashi of the Bullet Club Japan, as well as the Tokyo Pimps. Tokyo Pimps. And Bad Luck Fale, 
And I learned a lot about Bad Luck Fale on this night. Did not realize that he was a New Zealander. Nor did I. I uh, that was pretty cool. Obviously, he must be um, Maori or Maori or um, the native New Zealanders. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. Because uh, I, I'm, you know, in all of my uh, ignorance, just assumed he was probably Samoan. And uh, But, you know, so he is a Pacific Islander. Just a very large Pacific island known as New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see Bad Luck Fale. You know, he just found himself fighting Okada for the IWGP heavyweight title. But now he's sort of back where he belongs in these big, you know, being sort of the enforcer for the Bullet Club. On this night, they take on Rapongi Vice. Rapongi. Rapongi. Rapongi Lights. Rapongi Vice. Yay! <laughs> That's right. Beretta and Rocky Romero. And on this night, they're teaming with the Briscoe brothers, Mark and Jay, and Will Ospreay. That's quite a team. That is really quite a team. This is 10 pretty crazy dudes. Yeah, I mean, these are like pretty stacked teams. And it's the first match of the night, so it's like, all right, save some for later, guys. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of Exactly. Yeah. Um, at one point, Jay Briscoe uh, to Takahashi does a running blockbuster off of the apron to the floor, which is awesome and and like cringeworthy almost. Yeah. Not in a not. In, I don't think it was actually dangerous or anyone was actually hurt. But it's that good kind of you know snug wrestling where they make you go, <gasps> you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, anytime you can take a, a thirty year wrestling watcher and make them gasp uh while everybody's still actually safe you're doing a good job yeah i haven't seen that done before on the outside like that i've seen the occasional blockbuster uh definitely but yeah jay briscoe that was a a hellacious move and he's not a small guy No, no no so to pull that kind of move off there's there's agility there's daring there's a lot of dexterity so awesome but i mean i'm a fan of the briscoes anyway uh at one point Fale hits a razor's edge to Beretta onto a crowd of made up made up of guys from both of the teams out on the outside from the inside of the ring. And when they showed the replay, it was like a zoom in on Beretta's face. And he's just like, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> and uh, it's just it was really great. Um, but again, look looks snug, but you can tell it's safe. It's a it's a nice big pop, and it was nice to hear the commentators actually say. I think some of his own guys are in that pile, right? So at least that's kind of a good thing to acknowledge. It definitely is, yeah. In the end, however, the young bucks look like they're going to take Rocky Romero apart and hit him with the Indy Taker, which uh, I guess it was supposed to be a, a Meltzer driver, but uh, it failed to to be that. Instead, was turning into an indie taker, but Rocky Romero ends up pulling a victory roll on Matt Jackson and gets the pin. So, Beretta, Romero, the Briscoes, and Osprey win this match. Bullet Club goes down. Which is surprising. Very surprising that Bullet Club lost that match. Especially considering Rapongi Vice and the Briscoes, it's all very, like, thrown together, so they don't have to be a cohesive unit for the most part, you know? Whatever the Bullet Club, it's like, they, they probably, when they're not wrestling, it, 
You know, in arenas, they probably go home and train, right, all the time. All right, yeah. They know each other inside and out. They are friends. Yeah, they're buddies. Next up, we have an eight-man tag match. Let me just say, New Japan loves their multi-man tag matches. At this point, I'm already kind of like, is there anyone left to wrestle the rest of the show? <laughs> Luckily, there is. Oh, no, Luckily, there is. There's actually nine matches on this night and enough roster to go around and cover a second night of matches. Although we did have some repeat performances on the second night because of the U.S. title tournament. But this match is an eight-man tag. It is Hiromu Takahashi, a.k.a. the Time Bomb, who is carrying around a stuffed cat and hugging it, and they're... (laughs) <laughs> JR and Barnett have no idea what's going on. And they both admit to it, too. Like, yeah, we should like... probably know what the significance is. <laughs> we don't. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, along with Takahashi, who is a member of Los Ingobernables de Japón, is the team that we typically see as a trio representing Los Ingobernables, and that is Bushi, Evil, and Sonata. Mm-hmm. All of them in their wonderful masks and their crazy hair. And they take on the team, uh, the team known as Team CMLL, and uh, which is Dragon Lee, Titan, and Volodar Jr. And despite the fact that they are Team CMLL, which for our listeners who may not be aware, CMLL is the oldest wrestling organization in Mexico. And actually one of the oldest wrestling organizations in the world. Mm. CMLL standing for, in uh, Espanol, Council Mundial de Lucha Libre, which basically means the World Council of Lucha Libre, which basically means the World Council of Wrestling. So it's kind of like, you know, just like any other wrestling organization name. World Championship Wrestling. Right. Essentially. Jushin Liger is with this team, however. Jushin Thunder Liger teaming with Team CMLL to take on Los Ingobernables. Uh, and Liger's music is great. Oh, man. I just... And uh, I, I love it. Like, I basically sat there and just sang the music out loud <laughs> throughout this whole match because... I do want to get some lyrics on that. Some obviously translated lyrics. Oh, yeah. They're great. They're great. Uh, this match is pretty much seems to be just kind of dominated by Los Ingobernables. Team CMLL gets some offense in here, but it seems like especially Titan, he takes a beating here. Liger doesn't do a whole lot. And uh, ultimately Takahashi, who is known as the Time Bomb, hits his finisher, the Time Bomb. Yeah, I was surprised by that. On Titan for the victory. And so Los Ingobernables, uh, definitely, as far as the factions uh, over in New Japan, and they're they're deep, they are deep in factions, um, Los Ingobernables de Japón, L.I.J., representing early while Bullet Club falls in that first match. And now we finally have a singles match. What? Yep. New Japan, as part of their expansion into the United States, has decided to create an IWGP United States title. And they they debuted the belt. It's got a red strap. Got a rather cool, ornate gold medal design. 
And uh, it's a pretty cool belt. It'll be nice, you know, for a U.S. title to mean something. I'm looking forward to that. WWE? <laughs> Come on. Well, New Japan has decided the only way to crown this uh, first ever IWGP U.S. champion would be through a tournament. Yay! And it is a tournament! <laughs> tournament! It's a single elimination tournament. Round one would be completed on this night. Night one of the G1 special in USA and rounds two and three. And I guess the finals would all occur on night two. So the first match in round one of the U.S. title tournament finds Jay Lethal, former ROH world champion, taking on the Bullet Club's Hangman Page. So it's just an ROH match at this point. Pretty much. So much ROH talent in the beginning. It's just kind of like, is this just ROH? Or did they just put New Japan banners up real quick and <laughs> bring out Red Shoes, the referee? <laughs> they, they do that. They do that. Hangman Page. I don't know a lot about this guy. I want to learn more about him. I, I do enjoy his wrestling style. Um, I believe you said to me at one point, it's sort of a modified Scott Hall offense. Yeah, a lot of modified Scott Hall. A lot of, uh, is it a, a modified abdominal stretch? There was a, I think a, yeah, a modified fallaway slam. And I was like, did this guy just watch Razor Ramon matches and went like, okay, I'll do it, but I'll do this instead. Right. And that's okay. It's, but I would like to know more about this guy. What is the hangman gimmick? Why did he join Bullet Club? Or was he asked to? Where does he really fit in? Because to me, he kind of seems like he doesn't fit in. He he seems like the odd man out when the Bullet Club's all standing around being cool. Yeah. And he's just kind of rubbing his oh, he's like this beard. cowboy. Yeah, the cowboy thing. I mean, I guess you could chalk it all up to being a cowboy gimmick. But actually wearing the noose around his neck, around his own neck, it adds a weird sort of... Nightmare Before Christmas feel, right. or like horror movie vibe. Like it, to me, it, it becomes more of like a a weird sort of macabre gimmick as opposed to a cowboy gimmick. I love that word, by the way. Macabre. Yeah, it's a good word. It's macabre. Yeah, he. Uh, you know the first time I ever heard the word macabre? TCM. As a matter of fact, it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When I was nine years old. When I hear the word, I always think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. The John uh, John Larroquette uh, intro absolutely. to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. I was nine years old and absolutely should not have been watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. But a certain nine-year-old had been left at home alone on that summer day when HBO had thrown Texas Chainsaw Massacre into its daytime lineup. For some reason. And when I watched that well, I movie. I watch Weekend at Bernie's every day. <laughs> <laughs> also about dead people. And when John Larroquette says macabre. Man it struck me to my to my very core. Yeah. Who was that nine year old kid by the way? You don't say. Oh it was me. Oh okay. Yeah. Those listeners who didn't follow that part. Oh our listeners are smart enough to pick up what I'm putting down. I don't know. There is that one listener. Who? Ah, I got it. You know who you are. <laughs> if you think it's you, it's you. Oh no! Oh no! Well, Jay Lethal uh, is nursing an injury, and I know that's your favorite. Um, and I don't know if it's a legitimate injury uh, or what. It wasn't what. that bad. It wasn't like uh, well, because 
the outcome. You know, I, I can't, I can't say. You know, I'm, I'm mad at it. I mean, but it, it's gonna probably add to. Okay, he wins the match. Let's go ahead and say Jay <laughs> yes, Lethal. Jay Lethal does win the match. Let me make my point by just saying that, because I, I do hate when it's like, oh, he, he landed on that ankle wrong, man. Uh, but no, he was already injured coming into the match in more of a DDP kind of way where the ribs are, like, taped up. Uh, except for DDP apparently has the healing abilities of a, of a Bob Orton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just perpetually injured yes. forever. Because uh, he always had that uh, the taped up ribs, but yeah, Lethal has the taped up ribs, and it kind of hinders him a bit. But he pulls out the victory, so it's not like, well, he's injured, so he's gonna lose. Yeah, Lethal does all his same old tricks, but he seems to just be moving a little slower, right? Um, Which makes sense. In fact, he wins with uh, like his standing forward flip into the ropes, where you kind of bounce your mm-hmm. your your lower half, your back half, off the top rope, springboard backward into a diamond cutter on Hangman Page for the win. and um, But there was just something that seemed almost slow motion about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't bad. Um, I'm not being critical. It was just uh, just something I observed. It was like literally watching him in slow motion. But Lethal wins and moves on in the U.S. title tournament. Before they go to commercial, though... However, we do get to see uh, a nice little video package of Zack Sabre Jr. walking toward the ring because uh, hopefully we're going to see him, you know, coming up later on in the special. But Jr. didn't call him Zack Sabre Jr. You know, he calls him Will Ospreay. Yeah, a little, a little different. We've already seen Will Ospreay. In fact, we've seen Will Ospreay less than thirty minutes ago. <laughs> He's definitely not wrestling again on this night. Yeah. But JR, who goes, uh, skinny, white, British guy, they're all the same. Yeah. Uh, but he, but he, he, obviously, someone went, what are you doing? Because, like, the comeback commercial break, and he's like, by the way, that was Zack Sabre Jr. I didn't mean to make that mistake, uh, um, which is good. Yeah, I, JR seemed a little off tonight. I'll go ahead and say that. I mean, he pulled it together because he's a professional. You know, he's, he's good at what he does, but... There were a lot of things that are very un-JR. It's like, you're making really common mistakes, bud. Stop doing it. Yeah. By no means did he shit the bed. No. Because he is competent, you know, even if he didn't know who anybody was. But you, but I'm with you. It was stuff he should not. Yeah. Mistakes he should not have been making. He's too he's too good at this. To he be. set his own bar that high. Exactly. It's, so when he's not at his, at his, like, you know, best, you know it. And it's like, JR, what happened? Jet lag or something? Come on. So after they've come back from commercial and JR's uh, apology, yep. we continue the United States title tournament round one as Zack Sabre Jr., not Will Ospreay, not Will Ospreay, takes on Juice Robinson, the former WWE slash NXT star known as CJ Parker. Uh, Juice Robinson has been impressing the hell out of Japanese crowds. And uh, he is over big time in front of a Japanese audience. But a lot of people were afraid going up against someone like Zack Sabre Jr., especially on American territory, uh, that it wasn't going to be so good. It wasn't going to be such a good outcome in terms of Robinson being able to hang with Sabre Jr., being able to get over with the crowd. And a lot of people expected to kind of see... uh, an unfortunate downside to Robinson, and I don't think they did. That was a decent match for sure. Yeah, I mean Juice Robinson. Honestly, 
he spends most of the match in submission holds. Yeah. That's that Zack Sabre Jr. puts him in. But he also shows his strength because he gets out of them all. And at one point, like, with Zack Sabre Jr. absolutely just twisted around him like a twist tie on a loaf of bread. And Juice Robinson just lifts one arm up with Zack Sabre Jr. sort of hanging on to it like a spider monkey or something. <laughs> and then power bombs Zack Sabre Jr. And I thought, that's pretty cool. And uh, Juice did his own little bit of submission wrestling here. And I really think Juice Robinson did a good job representing himself. He did. So I'm not a fan of his, but he did a good job. I will say, I, I hated seeing him back in just trunks. Uh, when I've seen him wrestling in New Japan, in Japan, he's had like these wicked kind of like sparkly rainbow tights. Looks like a total throwback to, I don't know, it's like Willy Wonka at a disco or... You know, something fun. Willy Wonka at a disco. and uh, But just white trunks with some writing on them. Oh, not with a name like Juice Robinson. That'll be a little flashier than that. Right. I agree. In the end, Zack Sabre wins with uh, what is ostensibly an octopus hold. But uh, he refers to the move as hurrah, another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> the fact that you could have a finisher with that lengthy of a name and people don't shit all over it, uh, that's pretty impressive. Jim Ross called that? I don't remember him doing that. No, Jim Ross does definitely, no. definitely. I'm not, I'm not saying all that. Like yeah, flight was seven hours long. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know that many words. Yes, uh, I, but I also I was very curious why do they call this move that, and so I did uh, jumped on the old Google. Nice. And saw that uh, hurrah another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness is actually the name of a 2004 EP by the post-rock musical outfit known as Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies. Never heard of them. Mm -mm. Never heard of them. But in 2004, they released an EP, and that was the title of it. Nice. And uh, just like uh, wrestling moves should not have titles that long, um, EPs shouldn't either. There are probably more words <laughs> in the title of that EP than all the lyrics to all the songs. But uh, nevertheless, I uh, I definitely believe that uh, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So congratulations to both Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies and Zack Sabre Jr. Hey, guys, you know what? You did it. You did it. Next, we have another eight-man tag match, if you can believe that. Hard to believe. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hey, the Ace. Ace. David Finlay, son of Fit Finlay. Mm -hmm. Son of Fit. Jay White of ROH. And Kushida, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champ. And uh, Tanahashi, very impressive on his own in his own right. He's a seven-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. And he is the current IWGP Intercontinental Champion having defeated Naito 
to literally save the belt. Naito! Well, Tanahashi, Finley, White, and Kushida take on the Tempura Boys, known as Sho and Yo. Mm-hmm. And the Hunter Club, comprised of Yoshitatsu and Billy Gunn. Yoshitatsu and Billy Gunn, both former WWE superstars. Billy Gunn, very well known to our listeners as Mr. Ass, as Rockabilly, as Badass Billy Gunn, one half of the Smoking Guns, mm-hmm. one half of the New Age Outlaws, member of Degeneration X. And on this night, the uh, man who would speak the words, suck my dick, yeah. as loud as he could. <laughs> which, 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 by the way, uh, New Japan show, Billy Gunn Wrestling, Jim Ross on commentary. Your brain might go, ah, for a second there, because that's kind of odd when you think about it, but... Jim Ross was quick to point out that Billy Gunn was said that. He was like, uh, yeah, I probably should have said that. Because uh, <laughs> we're not in Japan, you idiot. These people know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny part about that is if you watch a New Japan show, whether you're watching English commentary or Japanese commentary, the wrestlers in the ring, especially the English-speaking ones, I guess they just figure they can say whatever they want um, even though I'm pretty sure a large part of a Japanese wrestling audience are probably pretty decent English speakers. But anyway, sure. if you watch uh, New Japan shows in Japan, you will often hear uh, the wrestlers screaming terrible things at each other, like you said, because I guess they think they can get away with it. Yeah. Or I, don't pay, I don't pay my, my mortgage and... And uh, stuff like that. I'm way behind an alimony. I'm a deadbeat dad. <laughs> I'm a deadbeat dad, yes. No, but if you want to hear... I'm a... glad OJ got away with it. <laughs> Just all kinds of yes. horrible things. I am OJ. I am OJ. That's a terrible thing to say. Well, juice may very well be OJ. Oh, the juice is loose. The juice is loose. Um, No, I, Tama Tonga is one of the worst offenders. If you really want to hear someone swear like a sailor... I do. If, I want to hear. I, I want to hear it. Yes. If you want your uh, children or maybe your kid nieces and nephews to learn some colorful new language, show them a uh, Gorillas of Destiny match. Yeah. From Japan, you'll hear Tomatanga get very creative with the F word. Or you know, watch Scarface. Uh, you or can do that. listen to any old Dennis Leary stand up. <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say. Um, you were about to say. That. I okay. actually was about to say that. That's, I know that's where you and I learned how to swear very, very, oh, yeah. Yeah, very, yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, Scarface, I also saw that uh, the, the summer of 1990 when I was nine years old. It was also on HBO. And it was rotations. also in that HBO rotation. Was it? Yeah. God damn. And I had no business watching HBO by myself at home. Speaking of watching HBO all day, every day, because you're a kid and that's who raises you because your parents had to work. Uh, summer time, right? What I hated, you know, what I hated the most. You did not hate. We we discussed it before. Uh, you did not hate this though. I did not hate this. I don't even know what you're gonna say, but I'm anxious to hear. I hated what this. you hated that I did. When I wanted to watch random movie, like I said, probably Weekend at Bernie's. Wimbledon, but fucking Wimbledon yes! was always on. Well, for hours. I, dear listeners, for those of you who may not know, I grew up playing tennis. I love the sport of tennis. I still do to this day. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that Wimbledon is uh, currently going on. And uh loved that. Loved that. 
Hey, I can still catch Hey Dude and What Would You Do. They come on HBO. I know, I know. That was in the evening in the time, evening. Darren. But but I mean, I had I had to. There was that like actual cartoon cartoon shit on Nickelodeon. You know, until they got to the good shows, the Hey Dudes, the What Would You Do's, the Wild and Crazy Kids. I had to you had to watch like the stuff that's actually meant for like seven year olds, even though I am You probably were seven exactly. years old. I am age appropriate, even though I'm like, yes, dude, David the Gnome, that's for sissies, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I ain't watching that that jive ass shit. Hey, weren't there two I was really jive seven year olds. That um you were a hep cat. I was a hep cat. I was. Yeah. Your your youth was one black exploitation flick after another. Oh my god! If you knew how many times I saw the movie White Men Can't Jump, uh, that's white exploitation. <laughs> well, that movie is fantastic. But continue. Uh, Nickelodeon uh, at that time were there two different shows that featured a like a a friendship between a human and a koala. <laughs> I'm sorry. Name one of the two. I can't. Okay. But this is great. This I'm is a great sure conversation. that there were two. There was one show about a family of koalas was animated. No, they were both animated. Okay. Both of the ones I'm thinking of were animated. I don't recall a human being involved. In oh, that. there was definitely a human involved in one of them, if not both of them. But yeah, two animated shows centered around koalas like okay. but both in tight and like we're acknowledging that the koala in and of itself is the novelty okay so it's like well then it's less novel if there's two mm. you gotta you know you gotta pick one i'm, I'm racking my brain it's sort of like okay because i want to get further off topic here okay it's sort of like that um we've already gone down the rabbit hole Keep it's going. sort of like that jay moore pilot Oh my god! That I was on as an extra. That because I had to sit in the bleachers for like eight hours, getting one of the worst sunburns of my entire life. Um, but but despite the sunburn, I did get to sit next to Brittany Daniel all day long, mm-hmm. and uh, she was very nice, nice, and just as gorgeous as one might imagine she would be. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but anyway. Uh, that pilot, as I sat there and kind of picked up on the context of what the show uh, as a whole was, I realized, this is just, my name is Earl. And then I was like, oh, this really is just my name is Earl. The Jay Moore character had gone off and done something and then apparently had to come back to his hometown. It wasn't exactly my name is Earl, but it was like... Gary Unmarried, was it that show? No, because the show, the, the pilot did not get picked up. Oh. It's, and that's my point. With, with Jay Moore, with star power like Jay Moore? <laughs> what do you mean it didn't make it? And uh, I, uh, even further off topic, got to see Jay Moore break his leg that day. <laughs> because there is a God, Darren. He, there <laughs> is a God. Jay Moore's running around playing grab ass on the field and uh, keeps begging for someone to pass him a football. This is while the rest of us had to sit completely still, getting baked by the sun, and uh, our omelets that we got from catering were like turning over in our stomachs. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, Jay Moore running along, a giant hole that had been dug, I guess, to put a piece of equipment in. The equipment had been moved. <laughs> he steps in it, 
His body keeps going forward, whereas one of his legs drops all the way to the knee in the hole, and you just hear crack. Oh my god. And he just like, I don't know how it wasn't a compound fracture, but after being gone for like six hours, Jay Moore shows back up on set in a full leg cast. Yes! And they have to shoot around his leg. Wow. And I bet the uh, the uh, producers and uh, director were probably thrilled. They knew the show wasn't going to make it. But, and it didn't make it because I guarantee you somebody sat there reviewing the pilots and said, this is my name is Earl and my name is Earl already exists. Yep. Somebody at Nickelodeon should have done that about one of those koala shows. Right. Well, I racked my brain. Best I can come up with was Sharon, Lois, and Bram, the elephant show. No, no. And Pinwheel. Okay. Pinwheel was a whole bunch of different things. Uh, uh, like some claymation. Oh, Pinwheel was awesome. Okay, okay. Pinwheel, pinwheel, spinning around. I didn't know there was a song. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um. So, no, I can't help you with that. Off the air, we'll get it. We'll go Google and we'll discover that there were, in fact, two koalas, uh, two koala shows. Which, by the way, on at the same time. Which, by the way, koala bears, not really bears, not bears, marsupials. They're not bears. They are koala, and that is it. Uh, any Australian you meet will gladly tell you that to your face. <laughs> I've been told that before. So well, ahead. if you want to talk to any Australians, just go down to Orlando. NXT is chock full of them. Yeah, really. It's becoming uh, the Australians, New Australia wrestling. <laughs> anyway. All right. Back to this match. That was good. I'm glad people will stay with us on that one. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully they did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Throughout the match, Billy Gunn taunts Tanahashi uh, regarding the Intercontinental title because on night two of the G1 special in USA, the two of them will be facing off mm. for the IWGP IC title. Kushida, super over with, well, I guess he's over everywhere because I know that when he wrestles in ROH, they go nuts for him. When he's in Japan, he is a big time baby face, way over. And he's way over this night in Long Beach. Every time he's in the ring, the fans are going crazy. And let me just say this about the fans that night. The black t-shirt quotient, specifically Bullet Club shirts, wow, out of control. Yeah, quite a few of those. Quite a few of those. This is the hardcorest of the hardcore internet wrestling community slash Smart Mark audience. But I did see an awesome 316 in red. <laughs> uh, and I was kind of like, oh yeah, it's, it's a Walmart special right there. Very nice. <laughs> in the end, Jay White actually gets the victory for his team when he performs the flatliner on Yoshitatsu. And so Jay White, who I've only seen wrestled really only like two or three times ever, including once in person, center stage in Atlanta, Georgia, when we took in a Ring of Honor taping. and uh, But that's a, that's a big deal for him to win this match with uh, these eight dudes at such an important show. Agreed. Next, we move on to the IWGP Tag Team Championship match. As the Gorillas of Destiny, your IWGP Tag Team Champions, take on War Machine. Gorillas of Destiny, of course, formerly known as the Sons of Tonga. Mm -hmm. These are the Sons of Tonga, a.k.a. Haku, a.k.a. Ming. They are Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. 
Again, Sons of Aku sounds much better to me. Sounds really awesome. Much better to me, yeah. But you can't uh, you can't deny the power of Gorillas of Destiny when your initials are God. True. But, uh, War Machine. Technically, though, the of, you know, that doesn't count. It should just be... Well, according to the Dewey Decimal System, it doesn't. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's not the FBOI. Same. That's true. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Huh? I tend not to be. <laughs> the match starts with Raymond Rowe getting on the microphone to ask the New Japan chairman to make this match a no disqualifications match so that uh, weapons can be involved from the very beginning. This is in response to the match between these two teams at Dominion right? when the Gorillas of Destiny captured the tag team championship and took it away from War Machine by bringing weapons into the match late in the game illegally and yet still, uh, you know, tearing apart War Machine and taking the belts Cheaters, with them. Cheaters prosper. They do. They prosper. They do. I mean, that's the beauty of uh, being a good heel is uh, you get rewarded for your healness. Hansen of War Machine, incredible cardio. Incredible cardio. One of the biggest men that you'll see on this entire night, on this entire card, and he's running back and forth from corner to corner. Big, you know, big splash or really just like a I don't, run into you. It's not quite a clothesline. Yeah. It's not quite a splash, but it's just... Uh, it's just 300 plus pounds of man getting running a 20 yard dash into you while you're standing there kind of prone. Yeah, no, I, I, I noticed that as well. He just kind of kept going uh, like Nia Jack should figure out what he's doing. And uh, doing <laughs> it. I mean, it's because Hell, I should, anybody should, anybody should, but Nia Jax is someone that you constantly see like blown up and gassed. And the thing is when you're gassed, you're making mistakes, and you're almost killing Charlotte Flair by dropping her <laughs> on her head. They put her in that gauntlet match, you know, uh, a week or so ago on Raw. She was sucking wind. And she was there the entire time, which, again, is horrible booking. Um, she should have come in in the middle at some point, because you actually could have had some people actually go over on the other person, and everyone looks kind of good instead. Just Nia Jackson, ultimately just Sasha, of course. Of course. But anyway, uh, but this guy, no fatigue whatsoever, just da 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 da. And I was like, man, this, that's super fucking impressive. It really is impressive. Yeah. Um, I was uh, also having not seen a ton of matches out of War Machine. I, uh, watching them in Japan, what I consistently see is Hanson kind of doing most of the work and Roe just sort of standing outside looking awesome with his entire body covered in pretty wicked tattoos but like uh, a beretta romero kind of a relationship <laughs> where beretta does everything and romero just kind of hangs out outside yeah but raymond really I, this was his night to shine uh raymond rowe and uh as jr repeated ad nauseum he kept saying that he is raymond don't call me death rowe and I was like, yes, I heard that the first eight times, JR. He liked to make the same joke over and over again, like really point out something being obvious. Like, he refers to Cody as just Cody and says, like, poor guy doesn't have a last name. I was like, oh, that's funny. But then later on, he keeps using that last name. He, he supposedly doesn't have. Yeah, he really does. Uh, so we'll get into that. But anyway. War Machine ends up capturing 
back the tag team championships, hitting the fallout through a table for the victory. And they are your new IWGP tag team champions. The old new ones. The old new ones. And next up, we are going to continue the IWGP US title tournament. Continuing on through round one, we have... Tetsuya Naito, the leader of LIJ, Los Ingobernables de Japón, as he takes on Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii, the stone pit bull. And that's a a very appropriate name. Yeah, I, Uh, I, I definitely would say so. JR and Barnett remind us that Naito stated that if he wins this tournament, and is crowned the first ever IWGP United States champion, he will, quote, throw it in the Pacific Ocean. He just doesn't like belts. He doesn't like belts. He's like Vince McMahon. He doesn't like belts. I I guess he just thinks that there should be only one. Maybe he's a Highlander. I don't know. Yes. And uh, that he should be that champion. And he is. He's a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Former IWGP Intercontinental Champion did his best to literally physically destroy that belt. Luckily, Tanahashi took it away from him before throwing it up in the air, which is very dangerous. It's like 30, 35, 30, 40 pound. Yeah, 45, absolutely. 50. I'm just counting. See. By fives. Keep, keep going. Um, no, I'm good. No, I mean, he did permanent damage to that belt. I'm curious who made the decision to move forward with that plan because he did permanently damage uh, a pretty prestigious title in the world of wrestling. They can make a new one. Of course they can, but this they, they, is That like, was probably a replica that they broke. Now that's that, they, they that's probably, probably, probably true. somewhere else, yeah. That's probably true. Well, anyway, uh, Naito and Ishii <laughs> go at it. Sorry, it's not like spraying the WWE Heavyweight Championship with the NWO. And it's like, fuck, we can't get it off. It's just that forever. Way to go, Hogan. Sorry, I thought of that immediately. <laughs> No contingency plan whatsoever, <laughs> which sounds very WCW. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, there you go. I really thought Naito would win this match. I mean, I didn't necessarily think that he would end up with the U.S. title, although part of me kind of did. I certainly didn't see him going out in round one, but he does. I was let down. I was hoping to see, like, Naito, Omega, you know, uh, yeah. or Saber Junior or whatever. Like, oh man, really? Naito went out immediately. But Ishii wins with a brain buster, and that was just the last of a long series of big, powerful moves. This is a, this is a crazy good match. This is a really good match, and they look like they beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, Naito, a uh, very unorthodox uh, skill set, which I love. You know, I love everything about Naito. You know. The one thing I will say, I guess Jim Ross either did his homework a little bit here, or he just happens to already know this about Naito. But Wikipedia open up. Uh, yeah, exactly. Somebody told him finally, like, could you please say anything about anyone? <laughs> and he does, to his credit, he does. Jr. does let the American audience, who might not all be familiar with the history of Tetsuya Naito, the leader of Lij. And he lets us know that he was a young boy in the New Japan Dojo, but he I was, was a young just boy. sort of. <laughs> I was a young boy. I'm too. willing to bet you were yeah, okay. You were I young was boy a young well. boy watching an appropriate HBO. Young boy, look at my life. 
Naito, however, was apparently uh, underappreciated, sort of um, also ran, if you will, and uh, had to leave Japan to make a name for himself. And he wrestled in Europe, in the United States, and most notably in Mexico, where he formed Los Ingobernables. Which is very cool. And it's very cool. Because he runs that faction. And it's like... It's very un-Japanese. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I love it. It is totally... It's very, very Mexican. Very Lucha oh, Libre. I love it. That's, that's Very, beautiful. very Lucha Libre. But, like, it seems like one giant wrestling angle, but it's not. It's real. But due to the sort of more fluid relationships that exist in the world of wrestling... Except where Vince McMahon is concerned. Yeah, the non-WWE realm, yeah. Uh, you kind of have art imitating life here, where Naito actually did go and do all this, and then comes back to New Japan, sort of a returning hero, or a, you know, a returning conqueror, and uh, has a lot of spoils uh, to show for it, and has a brand new presence when he arrives back at home, and that's why he's had the success that he has. But he is stopped short on this night by Ishii, who will move on to round two of the U.S. title tournament. In the night's last matchup of round one in the U.S. title tournament, we will get Big Mike, Michael Elgin, taking on the cleaner, Kenny Omega, of the Bullet Club, accompanied to the ring by the Young Bucks. And uh, these three collectively known within the Bullet Club as the Elite, are uh, obviously have Elgin outnumbered. Right, absolutely. Uh, very cool beginnings in the match, by the way. The three of them go for the, the big group too sweet to try to get the referee uh, Red Shoes in on it. Yes! And Red Shoes, like they're, they're all kind of holding it. There's an open spot for the too sweet for Red Shoes. And Red Shoes is like, should I, should I? The audience, and they're all... They're all playing it up, and Omega's like, yeah, should he? Come on, let's go, let's go. And, <laughs> and, he, and then <laughs> Red Shoes does the, the crotch chop, and yes. and they just totally heal it up. Like, no! No, Omega goes and like kicks the bottom rope, and he's just so put out by it. I was like, oh, it's beautiful. Dude, when Omega turns and kicks that bottom oh, rope, God. it's like, what year is it? Oh, man. It was great. That's it was thing. really great. That might you may have just hit the the nail on the head about Omega just then. He wrestles like someone now, but he looks like someone from then. How perfect is Kenny Omega? Oh, he's he's the real deal. He's the total package. Yeah. I this guy. First of all, they're gonna have to put the IWGP Heavyweight Title on him at some point. He deserves it. Well, not yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you, but just even taking away deserve for a second, he's the smart money. Now, now he's the smart money. I'm not saying he should have won at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not saying he should have won at Dominion. I'm okay with him, you know, losing to Okada in their first fight, 60-minute draw their second fight. That only makes the their third fight that they will inevitably have more important but i'm thinking come that third fight and certainly no later than maybe a fourth fight you got to put it on omega you got to put the belt on him and honestly at that point it won't have anything to do with north american expansion or anything like that it'll just be whose money 
What's the next best part of the story? What is the coolest, most sensible, uh, smart next chapter? Right. For New Japan, it's Kenny Omega. Right. It absolutely is Kenny Omega. It's been Kajka Okada for years now, and there's been nothing wrong. Every page in that chapter has been brilliant. We're really close to the beginning of a new chapter. Well, Omega is the final chapter. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah. <gasps> Dun-dun-dun. But before Kenny Omega can fight Kajka Okada for the IWGP heavyweight title or anyone for anything, he's certainly got to beat Michael Elgin on this night in Long Beach. Which is cool to see Omega fight someone who's not a nimble little minx. Uh Ghostbusters reference. Uh, like he is, so he has to kind of use different tactics, you know, a lot of hit and run stuff. And and you know what? Jim Ross did not call this match a slobber knocker, but if I had to pick one word to describe this match, it'd be slobber knocker. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's solid, man. Oh, it looks, to me, it looks, this match had a very... Like Jerry Lynn, Bam Bam Bigelow feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know it might be kind of too on the nose to compare Omega to Lynn and Elgin to Bam Bam, but that's what it felt like. I mean, and if you don't want to go with Bam Bam, you can maybe go with Rhino, like a Jerry Lynn Rhino match, but that's what it is. You got a medium sized guy and a larger than average guy. You got a high flyer versus uh, the brawler a power guy, and the whole match seemed ECW-like, and it seemed like a fight. Every moment of this really seemed like a fight. At one point, Omega springboards out of the ring onto Elgin, and Elgin's every movement, his facial expressions, his, his hard breathing, and his body language and the way he sold it, every single quark in the man's body was selling that this was a fight. Yeah. He did he wasn't looking toward the crowd. He wasn't you couldn't see the gears turning trying to remember what move was next. You know, he didn't miss Omega. He took the hit like it was meant for him, like he was hit by a torpedo. He sold it brilliant brilliant storytelling and the physicality in this match and uh Kenny Omega Ultimately wins the match. Yay! I'm I'm thinking he might win it all. And uh, you'll have to tune in next time. Yeah, if he doesn't, then it might be because they're getting him ready for that heavyweight championship. So that would also make sense. But also if the U.S. champion went at the heavyweight champion, also kind of elevate the U.S. champion a a bit more, too. Sure. Um, But anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where New Japan sort of positions the U.S. title. Uh, in their little pantheon of... Probably in their pre-show, just to stick (laughs) it to WWE. Well, in the main event of the evening, the final match here on night one of G1 Special in USA, we have the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Kajka Okada, the Rainmaker, accompanied to the ring, as always, by... Garth. Ghetto, no. Oh, sorry. He will be taking on Cody, formerly known as Cody Rhodes. You all know him. You love him. He is the ROH world champion. So this is also a battle 
of world champions. I know that the word uh, world is only sort of coincidentally in the name of the IWGP heavyweight champion. But uh, this is essentially world champion versus world champion here. Although only Okada's title is on the line. And uh, these two, uh, it's been it's been a hot, uh, hot if brief program between these two. And I have to, real quick off the belts, uh, I don't like to make the comparison, but it is kind of a Raw champion versus SmackDown champion deal. Because these two companies, ROH and New Japan, work so closely together. Sure. Look at this New Japan roster card. Right. Yeah. You know, and you'll see how it's it's ha- it's more than half probably ROH people. Um. So yeah, it, it almost kind of is like they're not the same company, but they're kind of the same company. Um. Sure. No. Absolutely. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it's still cool to see the you know the these two belts sort of. You know, you see them there on opposite sides of the ring. That's a, it's a pretty neat visual. You know, it, it's something that will always be exciting to someone, especially our age, who desperately wanted to see Ric Flair with the big gold belt take on Hulk Hogan with the winged belt, and we never got to see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but through the magic of Photoshop, <laughs> that's right. Well. This, like I said, has been a, a, a hot, if brief, program. Cody immediately challenging Okada to this match following Okada's 60-minute time limit draw against Kenny Omega at New Japan's Dominion pay-per-view. Cody appearing at Okada's press conference to bless him out, spit on him, belittle him, drink his beer, and then, before he can say any word of retort, he simply walks away. Right. Ultimate heel move here by the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. I think Okada actually mentioned that like he was too exhausted to even respond. Right. It was like, yeah, I thought it was just a little bastard <laughs> before I could tell him he was gone. I was too tired to say anything. So Cody on this night in Long Beach comes out uh, following uh, four men wearing ex-U.S. president masks. Yes. I believe we saw Reagan and Obama and Nixon and... Or maybe Johnson. I think it was a Clinton. Uh, Clinton, maybe. And uh, so that was an interesting touch. And then Cody comes out, and he's got this uh, very odd uh, ring robe. It looks kind of like uh, kind of like a uh, the, the the more militarized Captain America costume, where it's red, white, and blue, but it's got a little bit of army green, some brown leather, You're right, and. Uh, it's an interesting ring robe, but they're really pushing this American nightmare, and it's here in North America, and he's the American, you know, through and through in this match, representing this country. But also Brandy Rhodes is with him. Yes, she is, and uh, he he walks out with uh, his ROH title with him, a large cigar in his mouth, uh, his lovely wife Brandy, like you mentioned, lights the cigar from the tip of uh, sort of a novelty uh, handgun lighter. And, uh, man, they are just, they're hamming it up mm-hmm. American style here. You know, look, we got president masks and flags and it's guns. Like, it's like Apollo Creed's entrance if it were, like, twisted. and Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, that's, that's a good, I like that. And then, of course, uh, then it's... 
nothing to it but to do it. And these men go at it. And similarly to how a lot of people had some some reservations about Zack Sabre Jr. and Juice Robinson, you know, will Juice be able to get over uh, in in the in front of the American audience? Will he be able to hang with Zack Sabre? Now people are like, based on Okada, you know, wrestling Omega twice, Shibata wrestling Naito and Tanahashi, taking on all of the stiff uh, competition that he works very well with, that is all over in Japan. Is Cody the right man for this match? A lot of people said no. A lot of people said no. Cody was the wrong choice for this match. And I couldn't disagree more. Wow, okay. Cody so is... Some reason you said that, I was like, does that mean good or does uh, no. that mean I could not disagree more. I th- I Cody think is I th- absolutely the man for this job. It is a very good match. Um, it's. I think there's a lot of apprehension because it's not so much can he is he capable of having a good match with Okada. It's is he capable of being champion when it's such an exclusive club and you know Rhodes. I mean, <laughs> I kind of got caught up in Cody Rhodes fever. You know, like. He left WWE, he's doing great in his own, good for him. But people are kind of like, yeah, but he's Cody Rhodes. Could he be champion and he's fighting Okada? And it's like, hey, wait a minute, they're right, he's Cody Rhodes. Like, he's he's good, he's a Rhodes for God's sake, and I like him so much more than I did a year ago. But at the same time, it's like, God, but next to Okada and Omega, like, Rhodes is not ready for any of that. So I, I totally understand that. However, this is a very good match. Uh, Cody's wrestling is on point. His psychology is on point. So, I mean, it, it, regardless of all of that, you know, if, if all we had was this match, it was a very good showing for Cody Rhodes. I will say that. I, I think that's well said. Okay. <laughs> I think that, uh, honestly, um, it would be easy for anyone to be caught up in the Cody fever. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of people that said, um, whether or not he deserved it and whether or not it would be a good match, uh, that he would win. Just because they thought, here's an opportunity for New Japan to say, hey, look at this. Mm-hmm. Look what we're willing to do. Um, and, you know, that would have that would have been a very powerful thing. Um, but do I think Cody is deserving of the slot... Yes. Not only is he red hot and whether he can deliver in every single aspect one might want him to, he's in the slot. The fever is real and uh, perception is reality. Mm -hmm. If he walks like a duck, talks like a duck, give him the world duck belt. Right. Like he, he is living up to his potential and he's living up to the hype. He is the son of Dusty Rhodes. He is fighting all over the world. He's going to further cement that that ROH championship is a world championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also makes the match work, too, the fact that he's ROH champion, so it is champion versus champion. You say the fever is real. I, I, I say it more accurately. Uh, the euphoria is real. Right on. Right on. Euphoria also puts him in a very sharp tailored three-piece suit and puts him over there with the uh, Bullet Club, which are, you know, T-shirt and blue jeans kind of guys. 
And so he automatically is sort of elevated, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's rocking the the four horsemen style among the NWO um, is exactly what it looks like. And uh, wow. I mean, we were already seeing dissension in the ranks between Omega and Cody here. And uh, it's plain to see why. Right. And uh, I just, uh, I think Cody is, like I said, again, the right man for this job and uh, I think you said it best a few minutes ago when you said that the psychology is on point. Because, yes, the wrestling is on point. This is an excellent wrestling match. Does he take Okada to the limit like Kenny Omega did or like uh, Katsuyori Shibata? No. No, but that's unfair. But, right, that's right. unfair. <laughs> Does he have an excellent match? Yes. Yeah. Does he bring a lot out of Okada? And is he able to work with Okada? And is Okada able to work with him and pull off a top-tier match? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the psychology here, I don't know if Cody's been waiting his whole life to be a heel, but damn. The way he works the crowd, Mm. the way he gives an evil smile, and he kind of has kind of a disgusting, like, sexy slinkiness about him when he's, like, kind of gyrating on the canvas Right, stepping through the ropes and stuff—it's just like was a champion. Dude, that's gross. He's a loudmouth champion with a hot wife. I mean, he's got all the right. He's in the Bullet Club. He's he's, he's got all the right, you know, uh, all the right uh, moves, com- all the right moves, all the right components to be a super heel. You know, nothing worse than a a, a, a braggart. You know, oh for sure. <laughs> I mean, except God. maybe an IRS uh, a worker or a million dollar man. Uh, but yes, or someone who claims that they are uh, Mr. Perfect. But the, yeah, but he, he has all the right uh, all the right moves, as some say. Some, some okay. But it was not meant to be mm. all of the euphoria, the fever, the destiny, the shock value. None of it comes to pass. The Rainmaker Okada retains his IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He keeps it in the family. He keeps it amongst the Japanese stars of New Japan. He takes the belt back to Japan. Nevertheless, it was no letdown in my opinion. No letdown whatsoever. This was uh, a very tasty icing on a very tasty cake. Oh, great. Four hours of live New Japan Pro Wrestling. And did not feel like four hours either. Did not. And that's when you know it's a good show. Raw feels like three fucking hours. New Japan did not feel like four hours. No, it was... uh, And you know what? No backstage segments. Mm -hmm. No uh, over-the-top theatrics. Right. Just and, very and still some good story. Wrestling. Plenty still of story. story. And, and, and we didn't mention this, but very quickly, uh, there is some throwback to Dominion where Cody Rhodes wants to throw in the towel on behalf of Omega. And this time, Omega wants to throw in the towel on behalf of Cody. And it's just like, there's that's all the story you need. That's great. And it's, it's playing out during the match. It's not costing Cody the win. So, like, there's no bullshit finish. Like, it's it, God, that's all you need. Oh, yeah, and the clean finishes on this night? Clean finish? Just clean finishes. Anyone can lose, and you know what? They're still great, and it's that's a, still fine. Exactly. It's okay. Look at look at the world of sports. 
someone loses every single game. That's right. It's not like, oh, well, you know, the Yankees are playing the Orioles and uh, we don't want the Orioles to look bad. So they, you know, so it's neck and neck for nine innings. And then it just stops. <laughs> no no one wins because a fight broke out. All the Orioles are looking at the over here looking at the Braves. The Braves have gotten their attention. <laughs> oh no, it's a home run hit. No, that's not like this, that son of a bitch. Well, good night, folks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I got you. And because New Japan is the king of sports, they are always gonna have that uh sporting aspect. To their product. And less God bless them. Less sports entertainment. Right. And more king of sports. And uh, I'm all for it. It has that uh, NWA. Let's say it has that feel. throwback to old, old timey WCW and WA. And it's, they kept all the right components of that. And it's great. Well, that's going to do it for our coverage of this night. All of our discussion. We hope that you enjoyed it. We hope that if you were able to catch G1 special in USA on access television or however else you may have been able to watch it. I think daily motion radio might have uh, eight track pile of rocks, which we talked about this. And I think uh, if you can get daily motion on your pile of rocks, you might have been able to catch <laughs> at least a match or two that were uploaded there. Uh, YouTube seems to uh, be cracking down on New Japan appearing on there. Or New Japan might be cracking down on New Japan appearing on YouTube. I think to New, be fair, it's New Japan. Nevertheless, uh, if you did not get to watch it, uh, we certainly hope that you enjoyed our results and our breakdown. If you did get to watch it, we hope that you enjoyed our results and breakdown. And maybe we gave you a little more insight into some of the wrestlers some of the stories behind these matches, some of the importance, and uh, maybe we were able to answer some of the questions you asked yourself, like, I'm sorry, uh, what the hell is Zack Sabre Jr.'s finisher? Right, and what, were there two shows involving koala bears on Nickelodeon <laughs> in, the, in the 80s and the early 90s? Um, if you know that, then please get back to us. Uh, I really hope you do. And there are a lot of ways that you can do that, folks. In fact, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Refn Podcast, that's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Or find us on Facebook at The Whole Refn Show. Uh, like and share and all that fun stuff. We appreciate uh, all the feedback there. And uh, if you have any long questions you want to ask or gripes or, you know, praises, whatever you got, you can Gmail them to us at The Whole Refn Show, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com or... Find us on Instagram. That's where we're at at the whole Refn show. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W. Come look at our pictures. Boy, I know I say it every week, but it's just because it happens every week. More and more of you are coming out of the woodwork to speak your mind, to say, Hey, to say, wow, you're great to say, Hey, you're wrong to say something <laughs> on Instagram, and we love it. You speak to us, we will speak right back. We love to have you. So find us on the Instagram, like our pictures, follow us, we'll follow you. That's right, folks. Find us on the gram, find us on the book, find us on the twit. You know what to do, folks. Find us on the Gmail. Uh, yeah, there's so many ways to do it, and uh, we appreciate you uh, 
listening. We just appreciate you so much. We appreciate you. If you can hear my voice, hey, I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for us, folks, here on the whole Ref and Show. The wrestling podcast, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. By the way, my name is Perry Smith. My name is Darren Beasley. And we'll see you next week, folks. Enjoy Greg Balls of Fire.